Hello, Chomp Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp, and a podcast where if you listen long enough... Hey, uh, Shay, hang on, hang on. Um, yep. I've just been contacted by the CEO of Sword Chomp. Uh, we're going to have to delay the release of this episode. What? Josh, what the, the hell's going on, man? I, I don't know. I just received a phone call, and they said the investors wanted us to take some more time to find our episode. Uh, they want to give us as much time as we need to make the best damn show we possibly can. Uh, uh, they also feel terrible about rushing us recently and want to give us a bonus for working overtime during crunch hours. Really? Nice. Nice. Huh. Rich, what are you going to do with your bonus? I don't know, man. Probably buy uh, one of them reusable diapers so I can uh, podcast for longer hours, maybe scratchy lottery. Sounds nice. Well, if this is your first time being here, I want to say a big welcome and thank you for checking out the show. We love to receive those wonderful DMs telling us how people have discovered the show and are enjoying it for the first time. If you haven't already and want to get more content from us, if you could hit the subscribe button, that would help us out as we continue to get the Sore Chomp name out there to new listeners. We have a topic that is often talked about amongst gamers both in person and on the internet. Game delays. We wanted to put a positive spin on it because I feel that this conversation is often bogged down with people complaining about the devs, the investors, the delays, etc, etc. So instead of just talking about delays, we specifically asked, how can devs regain momentum after having to delay their game? How can they get people interested again in the game in the future release date? We are also going to be talking about games this week as we discuss more Mario Golf, Ender Lilies, a little more Biomutant and Resident Evil Village, Trace Memory, and Umarangi. Generation. Generation. <laughs> I missed that part. Sorry. Umarangi Generation. So first, let's get into some intros. We have the man who has been doing his best Invisible Man impression the past few weeks. He's been incredibly busy with God knows what, but he's assured us that he is actually really, truly here. The editor in the digital flesh calling in from New York, Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, how has your week been? I'm tired, man. Uh, I'm fucking burnt out. Um, all my stupid friends are getting engaged, so I've been busy running around buying gifts and shit. Gross. I know. What Gross. a bunch of idiots. Um, I don't know. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> but I think I said that, but not too bad. Uh, I've been trying to kind of like realign myself, if that makes sense, because I'm feeling like general shit lately so i'm fasting again which is gonna have me very grumpy for the multitude of this podcast uh because Mm. i don't i don't Mm. eat between eight and noon most days now um which is a hell of an are you doing intermittent fasting yeah 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 it's like a 16 hour fast um yeah super beneficial but yeah it's takes a little while to adjust to yeah getting back on my meditation flow i'll start to feel feel a little better again feel like a like a human man I'm glad, man. Um, I know that uh, 
you've been a longtime user and advocate of Viagra, and I'm glad that you are getting on a regular rotation of that so you can... It's just... Um, I, I don't even use it for the reason... Your sex life can be healthy. It. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Mostly okay. butt well, stuff. I mean, more power to you. I mean, yeah. literally and metaphorically. That's the, the whole point. thing. It's a, pa- it's a power yeah. trip. It's not about the yeah, sex. Well, dude, I get it. I totally get it. Um, I'm I'm just happy you're here, man. Whether you every now and then you just want to walk into the office with a just obvious. I'm just tent. trying to get them to fire me. I've been doing that for four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like that's I don't respect them anymore. Anyone with respect would have fired me by now. Well, the thing is, I mean, Josh has a really good point. You just walk in with a tent pinch, pitched already, and people can just say yes or no. Like instead of being like, "Hey, you guys want to go camping this weekend?" You just walk in with a nice oh, yeah. raging boner. And mm-hmm. you've pitched the tent, and they can be like, sorry, this weekend I'm busy. Or like, hey, yeah, let's go. Um, I know this one good fishing spot. Like, it's a great gesture, like a visual aid, instead of having to waste all this time saying, hey, if you guys are free this weekend, let's do a fun uh, company camping trip this weekend. You just have a boner. You're saving some time right there, man. It's efficient. <laughs> and we all know offices are about efficiency, right? That, not the one I work at. Uh, they claim that. So they claim. HR claim. That's what you'd get rich for uh, pitching a tent in your office. But no, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're going to talk about some video games, not some uh, tent pitching. But hopefully the next few hours. Well, I'm out then. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm leaving. That's what I thought I was here for. No, I'm glad you're here. And hopefully uh, this podcast helps your mood just for a few hours, if anything. So, But I am glad you're here. And next... We have the man who is known to plow through rocks, whether blasting them away in asteroids or mining them in deep rock galactic. He's only practicing to make a special lady. What did I write here? (laughs) I don't know what I wrote here. I wrote this. It's completely blacked (laughs) out. Yeah, yeah, I I just uh, Joe Biden there for a second he's only practicing to make a special lady feel extra special when she sees his plowing prowess calling in from michigan Mm. mr josh fowler josh how was your week how you doing buddy wearing my asteroid shirt and everything i i was not no i saw i saw that i actually no i specifically because i wrote this intro minute this that part of the intro (laughs) minutes before the podcast so no i actually planned that Uh uh-huh i was like I don't know what to write about Josh's intro this week. Oh, he's wearing an asteroid shirt. How can I make there this funny? There we go. There funny? we go. And then, oh, yeah. you know, so I, I went with that. It worked. It worked really well. But how are you doing this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. I am stressed trying to get everything ready for a move. Um, podcasting in from Michigan for uh, a little while longer now, but... Uh, not 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 much longer. Mm. Uh, and there is just a ton to do. When is your move head date? Out. Just the normal. Um, we don't have a date date, but end of August. Oh um, damn, that's quick. Mm-hmm. We are uh, within two months at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we are uh, trying to get everything packed up here you know the normal move stuff but then also this is the first time i've had to sell a house um mm, yeah while we leave as well so it's i've got that as well market. which is uh 
Yeah, actually, like, we couldn't have timed it better because houses were cheap whenever we moved in. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking to turn a profit, so that's good at least. But, uh, I mean, there's still all the other stuff on top of that to do just to get a house ready yep. to sell. Um, and pretty much that profit... So, yeah, you, there's just a ton of that stuff. That profit you make is going to basically go right into whatever next house you buy anyways because... Um, I, yeah. yeah, the market, but I, I can't... Yeah, I, I can't speak for Michigan right now. Houses in New York are selling for like twenty over asking. Typically, like if you're not there to mm-hmm. make the offer and like commit immediately, like you just don't get the fucking house. Hmm, that's insane. So I'm gonna rent yeah. this place yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But no, Josh, I yeah, I I hate moving. One of the one of my least favorite things in the world, um, just simply because part of me always feels like I'm happy to set roots somewhere um, and spending time mm-hmm. there. It always feels weird, like packing up and leaving. But I think I don't know. I think it, it'll be a good thing for you. It'll be a good thing for your family, and uh, at least you get a few hours here to not have to worry about moving, right? You just talk about games, mm-hmm. rant and rave, whatnot. So. It'll be nice, but I'm glad you're here. And, of course, I'm the host, Shay Layton, um, calling in from Japan. I had one thing I wanted to say to you guys. I'm really, really fucking jealous of you guys right now because, um, obviously, Japan isn't quite opened yet. Uh, The vaccines have been very slowly getting rolled out. Um, I'm going to be able to get mine next month, thankfully. But, um, yeah, so you guys are, like, largely, your country is largely open at this point. For better or worse, um, that's a discussion that's separate of what I'm about to talk about. But one of the things that's yeah. you know happening is music, live music is starting to come back again. Um, I watched uh, Tyler yeah. the Creator's album release, Little Gathering in New York. Which Rich, I wish you would have gone to that and told me all about it. But I think it was like a kind of a secret thing. I don't know. I don't know how it's set up. Uh, Foo Fighters played the... at Madison Square Garden. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I say there's a lot of. Uh secret venue stuff like that around here you gotta gotta know what's going on but yeah um yeah i'm often too tired to do such things you want me to like run around and just find bars oh dude like i always have energy for shows but like plus the city's underwater that's yeah yeah, totally that's true it's raining there like crazy right not anymore but this morning we got like like five inches of rain i see but, um, no, like, two of the big tours that are about to embark, one later this year and one at the beginning of next year because it was postponed, August Burns Red, Silent Planet for a few uh, dates, and Era. All metalcore goodness. Those are three bands I very much love are all touring together for a few dates. And I was like, dude, I, I'm considering flying back to the U.S. just to see those three in one tour date because like i love those bands like uh era just put out a new amazing album this year silent planet has been really consistent the past few years and august burns red is a long time uh metalcore band that's been really good and then also there's the other tour that's gonna that's been postponed to the beginning of next year which is uh deftones and gojira which are touring together which is another huge fucking concert i want to see all right like Gojira, I saw them back in 2016 in Salt Lake with my father, and they put on one of the most amazing live shows I've ever seen. Um, 
they're absolutely worth seeing. But yeah, fucking some amazing live yeah. music is happening there right now. And, uh, you know, like I said, for better or worse, that is really exciting. It's a good sign, I think. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm insanely jealous of all the music, live music you guys can see right now. Whereas, uh, Tokyo has just announced its fourth state of emergency due to rising cases here yet again on the eve of the Tokyo Olympics. So, um, it's an, it's an interesting mm-hmm. world right now. Turns out Akira was right. <laughs> right? So, um, but we're not here to assemble to talk about coronavirus and vaccines and music. We're here to assemble to talk about video games. So this was a topic that I kind of stashed away in our Trello for a while now. And um, it's like, I think we had originally, I think it was me who came up with the topic. I don't remember the origin anymore. It's been a while now. But I think that the idea was basically... We are constantly seeing people complain about these delays, and I get it. It's it's frustrating. It's hard to be patient. You really want to get your hands on that game, especially this year, which has felt somehow slower than last year um, in terms of things being uh, being released uh, just in the gaming sphere. It's kind of interesting how it seems a little yeah. slower this year, but... Um, yeah, it can be really hard to want to wait for delays and want to wait for these games to be released. And I think, for me at least, and I got the the sentiment kind of from you guys as well, that I'm tired of hearing people complain about this. I'm tired of hearing people complain about the investors. Yes, we get it. Investors can be very, you know, cold-blooded and uncaring about anything other than when can we make more money. We get that. I mean, to complain about that a known quantity doesn't do any good, right? We can complain about the developers and the fact that they enact crunch time. We've done that on the show already as a topic. Um, that that conversation, it very much still needs to be happening, but we've already had that. So to retread that kind of felt unnecessary for us at this time. We can complain about the delay in general and how it inconveniences us in our uh, first world problems. But I mean, that doesn't seem that all that enticing right so we wanted to put like a positive spin we wanted to say okay the delays already happen it's inevitable it's it's kind of something that's become more commonplace this um the past few years it's felt like the devs are pushing their games back one to two months or a year because they're like i want to put more polish on this i felt a little rushed i feel like it's not up to the quality and the standards that we have set for ourselves give us a little bit more time and i feel like that's a lot more commonplace now than it ever was. Um, obviously, there have been game delays for years now, but we already acknowledge, yes, this happens. So what can the devs do? What can the, the team do? What can the company do to regain that momentum? How can they get people to want to come back and play this game? Obviously, for some of the bigger known quantities, that's not going to be such a problem. But for the non-AAA games, how do they regain momentum there? So that's kind of the topic um, that I wanted to set up for this week. I want us to discuss that. Like, in our minds, what works for us? What has worked for us? What do you think in the future would work for us? Um, as a way to kind of, like, positively talk about this topic, I think. Um, it doesn't need to all be positive, but I don't want to just sit here and bitch about this. You know what I mean? I want to get some more thought-provoking <laughs> con- conversation going. So um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first, Rich, um, this week. 
when you read this topic in the Trello, when I posed it to you guys saying like, let's switch the topic to this this week, um, what were kind of some of your initial thoughts going into this conversation? Um, I mean, I think initially there's not really a good answer for this, if I'm being completely honest. Um, cause the All right, of, well, that's the end of the topic, uh, so let's get into we'll, the polls. No, I'm just kidding. We'll wrap it up there, and we'll get to the polls. We'll finish up. Um because it, it, it's less about getting the momentum back and l- like you said like maintaining some level of interest but marketing is is the key to all of that and having too much marketing up front and then fumbling it is just as detrimental um but more more and more i think transparency is probably the best bet and you see this more with actually games in early access at this point and i think it's one of the best innovations that a lot of devs have chosen to do recently which is like they keep huge update bulletins on the front page of like of early access games uh like rogue legacy 2 for example has like when you first log into that game on its splash page it like tells you when the next update is coming it tells you what's going to be in the next update just easily accessible and in your face development updates are the most tangible thing to keep someone invested even for someone like like people who do what we do who are playing a ton of shit like i haven't played rogue legacy 2 in quite a while because I just kind of check in on it, and I'm like, I'll, I'll once this is baked a little bit more, I'll I'll dive back in. Yeah. Um, well, one question I ha- have on that, Rich, is you're talking about dev updates. What kind of updates? Because like I can, there are many ways a developer can update the average player or the average potential player on that. What works the most for you? Like, what is the most enticing for you? Development diaries have always been a big thing I've really enjoyed, like detailed blog posts where they're talking about where, what stage they're looking at and how far it's going. Um, and that makes sense for you being more game. of a, a writer and kind of an editor and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, continue. I just wanted uh, to say no, that. No, no, that's okay. Um, for example, a, a Kickstarter game I backed a long time ago, uh, Knuckle Sandwich, which I think Josh backed as well. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about with his I was yeah, actually just pulling diaries. that up. He's he's had a um, a lot a lot of Kickstarters do this. Well, they'll do like a monthly. Here's where the game is, or quarterly, however thing. But Knuckle Sandwich in particular has pulled every, every he's time made a they visual like a, graph. A picture that a, yeah, a picture of the Excel sheet that's showing where every chapter yeah. is on each of these fronts. Like, okay, this this needs work. This is urgently needs this is work. Locked this, in, this is yeah. Locked. Like it, so he shows a progress. Yeah, and so you've got like a graph yeah, showing like, okay, what needs to be done and where it's going. And you just like each month, like different like, things you'll will see, get yeah, updated from You'll see like chapter three animation sprites or battle sprites. And he's color coded from like Josh saying yellow, I think is needs work. Ray is urgently, red is urgently needs work. And green is lo- like finalized, locked in. And at this point, whenever you check his development mm-hmm. diary updates, because that game is almost done. It's like a sea of green and a few splotches of red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... And okay. uh, th- that that is the most in-depth I've seen anyone and I, take And that, I love it, it because a, it, it just scratch Like, pure visual stimulation just scratches your brain and be like, ooh, this is coming along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um... One thing that you mentioned, Rich, is I really appreciate, especially when you back something on Kickstarter, that the devs update you consistently. Um... I backed Small Saga a little while ago, mm-hmm. which is due to release this fall, and it's it's not a consistent update, but it's an intermittent update when uh, the developer Jeremy 
has done various things to the game. And I really appreciate that. And one of the things I think would be cool for bigger devs and bigger companies, obviously, um, they have the capability of doing it, is instead of pre-ordering through these various places like Amazon or GameStop or Walmart or Best Buy, if you could pre-order this game directly through the devs, and in turn, they would do something very similar to how they do it with Kickstarter, is that you would get update for these AAA games or these AA or whatever. The bigger studio games is that you would be getting these consistent updates like you do on Kickstarter, and maybe some of them do, but I know all of them don't. If you could get that same level of updating, uh, especially when it when it comes to those triple A's that get delayed, I think that would be a really good way because every time that comes in my inbox that um, I get an update about the game that I backed on Kickstarter, it's one of the first things I want to do. Obviously, I'm busy sometimes when I get that email, but as soon as I have a free moment, I'm in, in my email reading about what's, what's being done yeah. to the game. And I think that would be really cool, especially for people who really love the bigger uh, developer and the bigger studio uh, games. I think that would be really smart yeah. for them. Um, I mean, I, I agree that I'd love to see that. Um, I'm not sure if that's something they want to do because it seems... It's too transparent for those large studios. Yeah, a lot of the large studios really don't want you to know that people are making your games and try to go out of their way to stop you from knowing that. Like, Aside from like one figurehead that they'll put is like the creative director they, they tout as like that EGM, yeah. like early 2000s, um, like next generation of gaming thing where we had all these celebrity game designers. Yeah, and like I would love to see that change, but I... <sighs> As poorly as they treat a lot of their devs, I feel like they've just, they've really kind of what do you mean? Had a vested interest in us. No one not, ever changed Kojima to a not radiator. Seeing them as people that never happened. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, that, that is something I would love to see change. Like see more transparency, especially if something is delayed. Like okay, why is it delayed? What's what's going on? Who was on the person there? that told like, Kojima he couldn't put cap- catapults in Death Stranding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I get your point there. I think that, yeah, obviously the level of transparency isn't always necessarily what devs or investors want. But one of the things that, um, for example, for me was Biomutant. That was a game that was notoriously delayed for a while, and people were like, is this game even going to come out? And I had my doubts about that game. And I understand not everybody likes that game, especially here on the podcast, which is fine. But one of the things that really bad. endeared <laughs> one of the things that really endeared me to the game was shortly before its release, the the director or the head devel- developer um, basically did a YouTube video where he narrated and talked about the game over like eight to ten minutes of just gameplay footage. And it wasn't like he was reading a PR statement. You could tell that like he was very passionate about the game that he created with all the. It was other like developers. a live demo. Y- yeah, it was. Yeah, and it, the it thing was like was that he, kind of thing you'd see at an E3, like where cool. they're talking over actual gameplay, like legitimately talking, not so much like a, a PR stunt person, but like a, like an actual. Well, not to say this guy isn't, because of course he is. He's someone who makes video games, but an actual gamer. I remember you being really passionate yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, and I re- like it was such an endearing video, and it was such an endearing way of drumming up um, excitement 
for the game that was on the eve of release that that video alone rekindled my yeah. excitement for the game and made me buy it. And I ended up loving the game as a result. Had that video never existed, I may have skipped that game. And I think that's such a huge thing is when you hear, not necessarily the head developer, but someone who's very important and integral. I mean, they're all important, but you know what I mean. Someone who is especially up there, you know, directing creative, everything. Creative director type. Right. If they're promoting that and they're talking about it with with passion and understanding and it, it doesn't read as a PR read, then that's something that really engages with me or it gets me engaging with them rather and really excites me and makes me want to buy their game. Uh, doing things like that, like that level of transparency and obviously they're not a bigger studio, they're a smaller studio, but it worked on such a high note for me. I, I, I really appreciated that. Um, and it made me feel comfortable buying a $60 game. And, and I, I don't you, know, obviously you. all, yeah, I mean, <laughs> shut up. I mean, <laughs> all, de all devs can't do that and all devs won't do that. But I'm telling you right now, if you're not a AAA studio, even if you are, I wish that would become the norm. But if you're not, that is one really good way of doing it. Or if you, um, Josh, you talked about how, granted, this has less to do with um, delays and whatnot, but when you've played games on stream a few times, you have devs coming in and talking with you about the game, um, especially because you play some of those indie games, so I think it's easier for those guys to, and uh, gals to kind of pop in and talk with the people who are streaming those games, but that's that's a really good way, yeah. too. I, I mean, like, obviously you already own the game at that point, but just that level of interaction is so huge. I think. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was thinking about other things, too, because obviously, Rich, you had mentioned previously that the PR team uh, has such a huge uh, influence over the advertising of a game and getting people interested in a game. I I think that is very true of the, the bigger developers, but with some of the smaller companies, obviously, I don't know how much they're going to afford a PR team. So they have to do things like mailing lists. They have to do things like blogs, well, like videos and whatnot. Yeah, but I also think even more so, whoever your PR person is, even if it's you as like a, a two-man team, it can be even more important because then you're the one reaching out to, you know, outlets like IGN or smaller outlets even and being the, the, the one who has to convince these people, be like, my game is worth your time and you should have someone on this. You should have someone writing about this. You should have someone making videos about this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 such a it's such an interesting thing and um I mean obviously it feels like there are only a few ways to take this conversation but I think that there could be some also innovative ways of doing this that obviously I'm not into advertising so I I I don't have specific ideas yeah. at the top of my brain. I've uh, I've watched a few seasons of Mad Men. Yeah, so I've got I've got some I've got a couple more free million dollar ideas here for uh, for, for the well, people. Oh, me too. Great, okay. Let's hear yours. See, yeah, Halo Eternal or, or Infinite, whatever the fuck. That <laughs> Assassin's Creed Infinity. Called. Yeah, that one. Uh, but anyway, they uh, they had a deal with Pringles to sell chips flavored like creatures from the game world. It's not far enough. You need to sell chips flavored like each of the characters mm. from your game. This Oreo tastes mm. like the Arbiter. 
I've always wanted to know yeah. what a grunt tastes like after running in that armor for hours. This new, this new, this new Gatorade tastes like Sonic. I would drink Sonic. Like honestly, I think that is like a very '90s style <laughs> level of stuff, and like it worked on us. What's the matter, like, Shay? Oh, yeah, you barely touched this, your Sonic uh, Blue Mario flavored candy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a very 90s way. Like, if you go back and look at some of the products and stuff we used to eat, they had shit like that, and it worked. Obviously, I don't know if the sensibilities of mm-hmm. 20, the 2020s would allow for that, but <laughs> joking aside, I think it would work, honestly. Um, depending Man on the flavored product, popcorn. obviously, yeah. I don't want to eat uh, <laughs> Call of Duty Gunsmoke caramel candies or some shit like that. Um, I'm choking. Yeah. Hey, get the new Cool Whip white phosphorus <laughs> flavored whipped cream. It's not in the freezer These BJ section. BJ Blazkowicz chewables taste like Nazi blood. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that would be fun. Not today, fascist. <laughs> I thought you were going to say not today, fat ass, but fascist works better. I like that much more. Yeah. But, yeah, I think. Really Can we do that as thing- a fake ad read now? <laughs> I mean, I think we just we just sprouted some ideas, but um, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna read some listener comments here because I think that'll be fun for us to have some discussions on them. Uh, JSZ Yarto, one of our good buddies, Mr. Jeff said, "So deep topic here, but gonna armchair dev this like a boss. Regaining momentum is hard when a project goes sideways. You have three battles across two fronts. Number one, the hearts and minds of the fans, which can be one." But more importantly, number two, hearts and minds of the devs, you have to rally the troops and get your team back on track, and that's easier said than done. And number three, getting the ship right, and that's the easiest battle for most teams, and that's done by focus testing and engaging a community. The most successful one of these I've personally experienced is Final Fantasy XIV, which right now Excuse me, which right now, thanks to a lot of popular WoW streamers, trying it is so full and amazing. Whereas a few years ago, it was so bad they took the game down to rework it. Like totally offline, and President of Square making public apologies bad. But now it's good, and this little... Lalafel? I think that's supposed to say falafel. Astrologist is a very happy warrior. I don't know. I don't Lalafel know is a race in FF14. Oh, okay. Lalafel? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that shows you how much I know about that. But, um, no, I mean, it's an it's an interesting few points he brings up there. Like, he said the hearts and minds of the people that can be won. Um, I think that's, I think that part is easier said than done. He is saying, like, rallying the troops to get them back on track. I don't, like, I don't have much knowledge on that side, so I can't really speak to that. Um... Jeff Jeff works for one of the um, one of the VR. There's uh, so many companies that uh, he he has a little bit of knowledge regarding that. I don't know how deep he is into that, so I won't try and speak on that. But he said getting the ship right, and that's done by focus testing and engaging a community, which is largely what we're talking about. And um, Square has taken a lot of L's recently. I, I think it's fair to say. But with that game, I think by coming out and apologizing, which probably they had to, the or he had to, the investors were probably like, hey, you need to fix this kind of thing. Well, um, but I still think regardless of whether or not it was 
like a no brainer kind of thing. That is such a huge thing. Um, and making making it right, you look at things like uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which delayed their release for years, and then eventually released the product that one of the we worst all games. know and love to hate. Um, and the, you know, obviously, they've been fairly transparent about correcting their mistakes and whatnot. But that is that like that right now is as soon as all their study. lies were discovered, they were really transparent. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, they're kind of a case study of having to fix it, which similar to Hello Games with uh, No Man's yeah. Sky. But I don't know. Like I, I feel like yeah, I'm uh, I'm about ready to go back to that because uh, I think their last patch notes they said they were content with where it's at. I, so not that it's perfect, but this is where they I, should I don't have, have released like an it. Overwhelming was, desire to go back. It just. I don't either. I, I honestly don't ever want to see the place again, but I'm curious to know what the game is like now that they say this I, is where I, I'm it more should curious have been what released. a sequel would be than anything. Like, I, I have no real drive to get back there. Uh, on, a, on a side note, while we're still on the, the tangent of this, I would encourage anyone, in terms of, like, rallying the troops and, like, turning a game around, Final Fantasy XIV, I think, is going to be that story for, like, the next 30 years of, like, what those devs did. Um, yeah. Danny O'Dwyer uh, with Noclip did a fantastic uh, documentary on that game on Final Fantasy XIV, A Rome Reborn, uh, that is totally worth checking out because, as Shay was like alluding there, for anyone who's unfamiliar, that game was absolute garbage at launch. It had its fans, but it was bad. And they did a reboot of it where they took the game down. They did an in-universe sunset where they caused, through the story, a cataclysmic event to occur and reset the world and just rebooted the entire game and it is now like if it's not really if it doesn't good. have a bigger user base than wow at this point it's right behind it and personally i i think it's a better mmo than wow at this point whereas i i think wow dips a little bit with each expansion yeah. i think uh 14 has just been getting better every time yeah yeah no i agree with that um yeah the first b- before they fixed it Final Fantasy fourteen was just like the same size as most MMOs, but like it was so much copy and pasted settings that like you'd go from one end of the zone to the other end of the zone. And there and was see the nothing interesting to times. do in between. Yeah, and it was just like the whole point of an MMO is that everywhere you go should be something interesting to to see. While you kill like wolves. even if they're reusing assets yeah, even if you're reusing assets in places, like, I mean, wow, almost every single cave is based off of you shut up. their one cave model. And they, you know, they, you know, add separate floors. And, like, each expansion will come out with a new cave. Kind of love um, caves. But, uh, but still, like, they put enough interesting stuff in there that, you know, it's, it's still yeah, worth exploring. if you want exploring. to spend $30 yeah. on magic, it wasn't armor, worth exploring. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was not worth exploring whenever. Final Fantasy fourteen came out, and they absolutely turned that around. And if you want a really uh, time capsule of a sign of when I went back to FF14, uh, my character's name is Jojo Kofefe. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that puts you within three weeks, I think. Yeah, just... When that just possibly about, could yeah. have been. Yeah. No, I... I think uh, Jeff brought up some really interesting points, but um, let's read let's read the next comment really quickly. Um, tacos to go. 
I could go for a good taco right now. Said, I never care to balk about delays. Sure, I get excited to play certain games and disappointed when they don't come out on time. You'd be hard-pressed to find a gamer that didn't. I'd argue that the deadlines these developers are given and their vision of what the game should be never align. A great example of that would be Battlefield V. The game had so much potential, but it was clear after a while that EA simply wanted to get it out and be competitive with Call of Duty, only to say that more content was on the horizon. Yeah, that never really happened. As far as delays and regaining mo mm. momentum, that's the marketing team's job. Most of the larger publishers have strong marketing teams that can easily reinvigorate a community around a game. They do it every year with Call of Duty. All things considered, I don't mind a delay. If a development team has the balls to tell their publishing overlords we're not ready and actually gets them to agree, then more power to them. And I, for one, encourage the release of a well-polished game, especially in what can seem to be an oversaturated market. And there were two things I took away from this, and I want to get your yeah. guys' thoughts on this, is one, he mentioned that obviously something we kind of mentioned is the marketing team, the PR team, um, all that stuff. That, like It's a big part of their jobs to kind of deal with that. But um, we also mentioned like smaller devs, obviously don't necessarily have um the the capabilities of that like the money the funds and whatnot so one thing that i kind of thought about uh when he brought that up is if smaller devs do something like stream their own game to get people excited for it i think that's a huge way as well and i'm sure there are some devs out there that do that but streaming um streaming is such a useful market right now it's it's really untapped potential like people always talk about how it's oversaturated and how the user base has gone down now that covid is in in wane or whatever you want to say because of the vaccines and whatnot and that's true more people are going out but i think Fuck. that that is a really wane. good way it, it kind of it kind of is an offshoot or the a greater example of setting or putting out a video like I talked about with Biomutant and having just a genuine interaction is having a dev just sit down and play a game without a script in front of them. Um, a script in front of him yeah. or her or them to just play their game and showcase it and talk about it and show the passion there. I think that's such a interesting way. Um, Josh, have you had any kind of like do you have any knowledge of devs doing that? I don't necessarily have any knowledge of that. I don't know if you do. Um, a few, a few of them. A few of the things I've kickstarted will have like dev streams, kind of showing what they're working on and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I've not been into that as much, just as a um. Like for for the information you get out right. of it, the time commitment it's too high for me, just personally. Understandable, but that's Understandable. gonna be you know that's that's kinda, it's like an individual thing, um, um, which I think is kind of why I was why Rich and I were so excited about a graph. Like here's a here's a graph of exactly what we're working on, which is like that that's about the time yeah, that graphs. I have for <laughs> for a lot of this news. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> um, it, it's all gonna depend on but different yeah, people. Like if you've got the time, time for it. Have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that uh, Tacos to Go mentioned that I found really interesting when talking about this topic is that exactly what um, 
Taco said is an oversaturated market. Um, now more than ever, I mean, like, gamers are notorious for liking a bitch about their backlog, and rightfully so. Um, but it feels like now oh, more no. than ever, and this goes without saying, that there are just so many different places I can allocate my time and energy into gaming. Obviously, you have all the previous generations yeah. of gaming, ones that you miss that you always meant to come around and play. Um, yeah. Classics that you just never made it around to, games that slipped through the cracks that you never heard of. Um, on top of all the new games that are coming out, because granted, if you're into all sorts of video games, not just AAA titles or just indie games, that it feels like you're never, ever going to be caught up. And that's, I think it's a good problem to have, to be honest with you. Um, it's a fun thing to bitch about. But also the point is that there's an oversaturation. I don't know if there's necessarily an oversaturation, but I think the point being is, um, I think the point being is that there are so many games that are vying for your money and your time that if you don't like at this point, if you don't put out the best product, you may make your money. Maybe um, obviously cyberpunk kind of did, but then they had, they had to give all those refunds, for example, and they got review bombed and it hurts the reputation of your company. Um, you really do want to put out the best product that you possibly can in this day and age now more than ever, because it's, you know, like you compare where we were gaming at almost 30 years ago, where word of mouth was a big thing, but we weren't so interconnected that word of mouth was our nearby friends, was our nearby family members. But now word of mouth is anybody on the internet. And that's such a huge influential thing. So you really need to put out the best product. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's nobody at the uh, the electronics fair to tell you that uh, that this software that is really the Sega does what Nintendo don't. Yeah, I social media that, is a blessing and a curse. I in miss that. I do. You, do you guys remember? I, I guess no. I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, but you you guys remember electronics? Yeah, like expos where you does, and not not like the you know no no any, I mean the I'm E3, E3 ones E3, but yeah. like. But yeah, like, but where those started from were like the, oh, the small trade shows. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, yeah, anyway, no, like CES I used to love going there and like, like CES. you'd go there and kind of like, you know, like a crate full of albums or whatever that you'd leaf through. It'd be that, but with, you know, the gigantic floppies. Be like, okay, shareware, which, which, baby. Which, which shareware do I want to walk out of yeah. here with? John Romero um, would come up to you. And like, you'd, you'd pay for the disc. You know, like, just a tiny amount, because then if you wanted it later, you'd have to, like, mail in for the rest of the license to uh, to get that shareware. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. That was that was a fun time. John Carmack time. would come up to you and explain that, yeah, he did rob you, but you shouldn't punish him for it because you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's funny. Like, we, we talked about asteroids in my intro, but uh, I played way more Maelstrom. Which was the the Mac, the Mac version of Asteroids? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Mac clone of Asteroids, with uh, what it had voice lines um, from aliens and and like a bunch of other movies mm-hmm. and stuff in there for like the sound effects, like these you know tiny little well, they did, one kilobyte they did clips they could, yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Came <laughs> fun. 
I don't know Indeed. what we're talking about. What are we talking I'm about? I'm going to bust out the Atari uh, video games. and we were going to talk about the sweet membrane keyboard. Okay. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> Project Tech Gaming said, a delayed uh, game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. And that was a quote from Mr. Miyamoto. I can never be mad at mm-hmm. a delayed game. But to your question, what can developers do to gain momentum again after delaying their game? I say, let the game speak for itself. Let word of mouth do the talk and show everyone why the delay was worth the wait. A quality game will show its quality regardless if momentum is low. And that can potentially be the key to its success. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think eventually stuff will kind of it'll still find its way through there through word of mouth it's not it's, always that it's, simple it's still hard to get age. there's too much stuff for that for you to just rely on that well i think that i think that's more of an indie yes, thing yes. at this point i think i think if i think if word of mouth is how your triple a game gets discovered uh that's great and all for whoever now owns the ip <laughs> since your company dissolved you're, and you you're were all out jobless this and nobody told you yet yeah um and I think, honestly, I don't think the solution there is that they need to fix the, you know, the maintaining momentum thing. I think the problem is they need to fix how they're paying for these things and, like, just, you know, just the business model behind it. It should be something where, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of the news of a remaster, reboot, whatever the fuck it is going on with Dead Space. Dead Space 1 yes. is amazing. Dead Space 2 is still great, but they threw way more money behind it than they should have. And then Dead Space 3 had literally all the money and it's on Earth thrown up. at it. it. It lost what was magical about Dead Space. Yeah, and it's terrible because it was meant to be a product at that point. And mm. like the, the games that are built that way at this point, losing momentum means that like the studio like it studios get shut down for this stuff and it's it's it is absolutely a tragedy that that happens and i i'm tired of seeing it honestly i i'd much rather them think about this in a much more sustainable way like if this thing needs to be delayed that we're not going to go bankrupt because of it like just you don't need the money tomorrow you need the sustainable product yeah Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Messi Veloni said, "I rarely, uh, excuse me, I buy so rarely day one releases that my opinion is almost laughable." But anyways, release dates moving further really seems to be a growing trend. It has become more acceptable due to few warning examples of broken games. That hurts everybody in the process from studios to consumer, but ultimately it's the developers who lose their reputations unless the product is what it was supposed to be. I think that those people who really want to get those games straight on release days ultimately will. Either they have the money to do that or they have done their research. Which I think is kind of an interesting point. She's basically saying that no matter what, even if a game is delayed, if you have the money, if you've done the research, if it's a known quantity for it, you're going to get it. I mean, if you're, if you're intent on getting it in the first place, you're still going to get it. Unless some kind of major, major de- development kind of happens, um, you're still going to get the game. So nece- building momentum or regaining momentum isn't necessary. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think hmm. in the AAA space, that's probably true. Yeah, I think probably. I think there are some exceptions to it, but I think for a large part of it, yeah, like um, Halo's got pushed back for at least a year. We still don't have a hard date on it somehow, but like at least a year. I don't imagine anybody who wanted to play Halo is gonna not now because it's a year later. I I don't know. Um, to be fair, I know a few people like personal friends who are not huge gamers, but literally talking to them about it recently, mm-hmm. they're just like they kind of don't care anymore. Mm. And uh, I could see that. Like, be- I think the problem with that is almost the reverse of marketing too hard the first time. Like, there was just too much mm. boom, Halo, and it's like it, it feels like the moments pass for some people now. Yeah, because they had they pumped so much money into pushing that game, releasing with their console, and then it was not ready. I mean, lucky for them, maybe when Halo launches, that'll be the same month that it becomes possible to get a next generation console. I mean. Sh- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's always a consideration as well. Yep. Yeah. The last comment I'm going to read, we um this topic didn't have a ton of comments, but it had some really really interesting ones. I still say that demos are the best way forward to regaining momentum. Having live streams of competent players make up gameplay trailers, good reviews and previews by people who you know are not yeah. afraid to be critical about games. Like IGN will love any triple game. You need the people who are not afraid to burn bridges if the game is bad. Make them believers and the gamers will come. Um, I think demos is honestly one really good way. Obviously it can be sometimes detrimental as well because you look at something like uh, what's what was it? The uh, I can't remember the specific name but the Final Fantasy Origin game that previewed at E3 where the demo was fucking corrupted <laughs> oh okay. well I, actually that's a bad example at this point if you ask me actually because that demo got fixed i played it i actually think that game is great in terms of gameplay now okay okay I think fair enough trailer, i mean like when oh, the know, demo I first dropped. i think that trailer was absolutely horrible um th- that trailer was cut like dog shit um i guess i never got a chance to talk about that on the show but i actually you know what i'll i'll talk about that a little in our game section because it's still on the brain and i had notes about it and i think that uh that game actually looks pretty promising. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cool. But yeah, no, <laughs> Sorry, I think demos I are hard there. No, you're good. I think demos are still one of the best ways. Um, obviously, some devs do it. A lot of devs yeah, don't. I think this last um, year proved that. Obviously, Resident Evil Village very much benefited from the demo idea on the eve of their release. For example. I guess I think it's hard to say because it was a Resident demo? Evil game. Resident Evil Village had a demo. Do I just not remember this at all? Apparently not, because there's there was a demo of that game. I actually was really frustrated because I never made time Steam. to play I guess it. I could check. No, I'm <laughs> I'm a hundred percent positive there is a demo. No, I believe. No, no, you. no, no. I'm just saying it might still be there oh. if it's is the point. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But no, I think demos are a great way to build momentum. Obviously, I, I can't remember if the game was actually delayed. I don't think it was ever delayed. But um, yeah, to prevent uh, losing momentum, dropping a demo is huge. It's huge. 
Well, with COVID this past year and the way we ran conventions through 2020 and 2021, I think that very easily proved how easy, how it's actually easier to get demos out to an audience now. And for some reason, we stopped doing them. Like, I want to see that continued stretch of developers putting demos directly on Steam. Even if it's for a limited time, it's like, hey, we got a demo up for the next two weeks. Like, that shit's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like it's not still up on Steam. Mm. So it may have been a limited time thing. Oh, yeah. no, I do remember that demo now. I'm sorry. It was, uh, that's actually the kind of demo I like the most, or it was a totally unique thing. It was not a slice of the game. Yeah. There were two yep. demos. I remember exactly. that. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, that's going to be pretty much the topic for this week. Woo. Uh I mean, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we move on? No, I, th I think we hit all the stuff I wanted to to address with this. I, I think there's a lot of wiggle room on that topic in terms of... Uh, there's not a really straightforward answer, but I think we, we covered our bases. Yeah, I think a lot of it just kind of depends on the size of the studio and, and stuff like that. Like, a lot of indie versus AAA. so many considerations. Yeah, yeah so many considerations kind of baked into this. Um, Agreed. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we're going to take a quick uh, break right now. We're going to go recharge, refuel, uh, what have you. Uh, we're going to run, run one of our <laughs> funny ads, and we will be right back with gaming and games. So don't you touch your smartphone screen and change the station. We are coming right back. Boy, what news? News, sir! New graphic designs over at store.swordchomp.com! New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com. That's right, sir! My god! You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases! They've done it. Those Swordchomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now! God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! All right, we are back from our break. Thank you so much for waiting for us. We really appreciate you. Um, we know that uh, time is valuable, and uh, the fact that you want to sit here and wait for us, we appreciate. I forgot to mention in that last segment, if you ever want to comment on the topic of the show and have your comments read and picked apart by the three strapping young gentlemen that you hear today, every Thursday at Sorechomp on the Instagram you can comment on the topic of the show and we would love to have you comment. That way we can read them on the show and talk about them. It's really, really fun. It's a really interesting way for us to think about this different perspectives that we didn't necessarily come to ourselves. So uh, I want to thank you to each and every one of the uh, commenters of this week. Appreciate it very much. So let's um, move on and talk about some games. 
So for a few quick minutes, uh, Rich, you wanted to talk about Mario Golf. You've been playing into it a little bit more this week. Um, as you yell, four in your apartment, I believe, is uh, what you told Naturally. me word for word off the air. Yeah, I've been playing a lot more uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. I don't think my feelings have changed dramatically. I think it's really solid at the golf part of, uh, of a game. That, that uh, story mode is real long. Um, and it's kind of amazing that you can be playing, um, a golf game for, like, eight hours before it introduces the concept of lob shots to you. <laughs> um, so now it feels a little more fleshed out and, like, mechanically. I, I do think that that campaign drags its feet a little bit and starts to get a lot more interesting towards the back half. Like, there's actually some boss fights. Oh, so it so it really takes some notes from golf Yeah, it, it gets a lot more interesting towards the, the back half and does some more interesting stuff. Um, but I do still feel, like I said last week, that the real meat and potatoes of that is in the, the multiplayer stuff, the, the battle golf, Hmm. the, uh, the speed golf, the multiplayer speed golf. But it's, if you like golf games, like it it is a good ass hot shots with Mario characters. I think people that are generally drawn to the Mario sports titles, and I would count myself among them. Uh, this is a good one of those. (laughs) I'm laughing because you said you right. said good ass hot shot, and I was thinking to myself, uh, just that could be some weird bar name like, come get your good ass hot shot where you drink a, a fucking pull of Jaeger off some chick's hot ass or something. Where you like slurp that. a fireball. Yeah. I don't want yeah. any of those things. <laughs> yeah, fireball and Jaeger are not my first, second, or third choice, but off a hot ass, I'd be okay with that. But uh, <laughs> or a cold yeah. ass, just an Any, ass, just like a nice ass. ass, a nice plump derriere. I could go for a shot off of that, preferably a woman. But I mean, like the thing is, if if the dude or the non-binary person has a nice rump, you know what? I'm a I'm a appreciative of all asses. I will do a shot off of any ass, as long as it's clean. As long as it's clean. That's I, my that's only the only way I won't do it. Um. I mean, it seems like the alcohol would take care of that. I don't. Although, I mean, if you're drinking an Everclear shot, sure. That's might also take the first layer of skin off. Yeah. Golf. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, what were we talking about? Yeah, uh, my my last sort of real note on uh, the Mario Golf stuff is the the other mistake, like I said, with the story sort of being a little taking a little time to get its feet and start doing some interesting stuff is. They waste a little bit too much time waiting to get you to the more interesting courses. Like, there's a whole lot of just golf course-ass golf course with maybe a few more interesting hazards. Where, Kind of assuming you've yeah, never played a golf game That game intro. is also loaded with, like, neat desert and castle maps and a New Donk City map where you can, like, bank shots off skyscrapers. Like, there's cool stuff in there, and it oh, takes forever fun. to show it to you. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does make sense because it is... A Nintendo game. They've got to assume half the people playing this game are going to be kids who've never played a golf I gotta game before. I got to sit there and watch but... fucking Toad go three strikes over par. That's a triple bogey, Toad. Get off my fucking course. Mm. I mean, that's that's what I always tell my bogeys and you know golf things. The mainless multiplayer peons are my favorite, though. When you're you're golfing against like Pink Yoshi, and I'm like, you have no identity. Oh, you're not Yoshi. a person. 
should just be like Walter. Oh yeah, sand traps. Are there sand traps in this game? Yeah, it's a it's a golf game. Ha! I, ta- look, guys, I don't like golf, so <laughs> I'm trying to do my best to to feign excitement uh, for the game. I don't and like I, golf in real life either. I like golf video games. Is Shooter McGavin in the game, or Happy Gilmore? Uh, there's Wario wearing a cowboy hat, and I guess that's pretty close. I mean, I guess I'll have to settle for that if I ever play the game, I guess. In fact, so. I'd say it's better. I don't know about that. But I know for a fact you, it is. You know, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. You seem to be more in a golf than I am. But And, and Wario. And you're definitely into Wario more than me. Um, but I don't want to talk about your sex life here. Anyways, um, really quickly, I want to talk about uh, two the two quick things that I've done, or quickly talk about the two things I've done this week in gaming. Sorry, my brain went on the fritz But it's there tricky because they're roommates. <laughs> the games? Yes. Um, they're both sevens. No, um, I, I finished 100% Biomutant. I did everything I possibly wanted to do. I got the Platinum for that. Very happy um, to be done with that game. Uh, some of the trophies in that were incredibly annoying, like collecting uh, different creatures that you find throughout the game. There are certain um, areas, like groves, you can go to collect each of them, but you have to wait for in in uh in real life about 30 minutes in between each one and so i would go to these areas pick up a certain amount of them and then go do the other things and it grew fairly tedious on top of that um getting enough upgrade points Mm. to fully upgrade everything was a little bit tedious like i love i really enjoy the combat in that game but that was incredibly tedious to do that um there were some other trophies that were a little bit on the more tedious side to be honest with you and i don't know how many more times i'm going to say that word but um it was definitely probably the low point for the game for me doing some of that stuff because i really enjoyed that game and enjoyed doing a lot of the things that was not one of them it led me to some cool areas and to meet some other cool characters and stuff and they opened up some interesting uh, side missions that I hadn't seen on my other like my playthrough up until that point, but um, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that I book ended that game and it's done uh, for me, uh, unless they release another game or they release some DLC for it. But overall, I'm really pleased. I, I really enjoyed my time with the game. I'm glad that it's done and um, I don't have to talk about it for a while now. So really happy with that. Um, I decided. Josh and I were talking about a game, which he's going to talk about here after this. Um, I was planning on playing that this week, but I realized that with Resident Evil Village, I wanted to finish the trophies. I had planned planned on 100%ing that game as well, but then Biomutant ended up taking my time, as you guys very well know, because I have not fucking stopped talking about that game, and I apologize to everybody. Um, but I decided to go back to Resident Evil Village to finish that game off. So this week I had been working on the mercenary mode, which is uh, kind of like, I wouldn't call it a firefight mode necessarily. You're put in a certain area of the game. So it's like the village and a certain part of the village or the castle, a certain part of the castle. And you have a set amount of enemies that run at you and you have to kill 
a certain amount before more spawn and different kinds of enemies spawn and you have limited number of resources and you also have to hit these orbs to give you special abilities or extend your time because there's also a time limit so i've been working on those because one of the trophies is to s rank all of those um or if you ss rank them you get a lightsaber that you can use throughout the game so i've been working on those slowly um the past few nights trying to do those and i was crushing out about one a night um i didn't have a lot of time to game over the past few days had some personal stuff going on and i got to the point where i felt like i wasn't making enough progress or headway on getting close to the platinum so i kind of reshifted and decided to do like some of the other ones which is speed running not spending a lot of money and whatnot and I pretty much knocked all those out really quickly. The speed run was way easier than I thought it was going to be, guys. It was super easy, um, especially if you obviously drop it to casual. Um, I was able to knock out three trophies in one go. And um, now I'm just, the last one I have is the Mercenaries one, which I was working on right before we started podcasting. I'll probably finish that this weekend. Um, I, I'm not going to mention the game next week, having finished it because i will have finished it at this point that game is still i'm still as high on it as i was a few months ago when it first came out oh, it's i great. really very much love yeah. and appreciate that game um is i it didn't have the same level of horror and scary moments that seven did which i appreciated that a lot i appreciated seven a lot for doing that but this game just felt so much like it had so many more highs it was so much so much more compelling for me to play um i love the fact that it was a love note to the various resident evils of time past it was a really really good game and yeah mostly for yeah i was very happy i've been very happy to run back and do a lot of those trophies it hasn't felt arduous to me at all and if anything it just i've had nothing but fun doing them except a little bit of the mercenary stuff gets a little fucking ridiculous in my opinion. It gets a little bit difficult, but at the same time, it's like I, I throw the kind of the responsibility on me more. So it's like when I'm playing and I fuck up one of my combos, it's like that's because of me because I'm fucking twitching and I'm freaking out instead of controlling myself, calming down and just playing the game, you know? And that's that's not the game's fault. That's that's me needing to get better at the game. Um I mean, it, it does get a little difficult in certain areas, but that's also responsibility of myself. Like, the, the tools have been put there. That's just for me to get better at the game. Um, but overall, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing all of the trophies on that game. It's a very, very fun game. It's definitely going to pop up again um, when we do our Game of the Year stuff towards the back end of this year. But um, I, would, I would imagine so. We're all pretty high on that. Yeah, yeah, to various degrees, but... Um, I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much all I've done for gaming this week. I, like I said, I had some personal stuff going on that I'm not going to really talk about here. Uh, so I, I wanted, and I also this year, and I've kind of reshifted a little bit and decided that instead of spending money on games, which I've been kind of slowly working towards this past few years, instead of buying games and then never completely finishing them, like Hades took me a really long time last year to finish. I, I have Fire Emblem DLC that I still haven't finished, stuff like that. I decided that this year, any games that I buy, I'm going to play them if, if I'm enjoying them until I feel like I'm done with it. Um, within reason, obviously. 
play if I was playing Biomutant for three months, then yeah, that'd be fucking ridiculous. But um, you know, I I wanted one hundred percent that game when I found myself enjoying it. So that's what I did. Yeah. I, I did the same with Resident Evil Village. There you go. Um, so yeah, yeah. I've I've done it with a few games this year. Like anything that I'm really into, I'm trying to think. I, I think I platinumed Ratchet and Clank, which honestly, the platinum in that is too. It's too early. Like you, you can get it right after you start the new game plus, and honestly, it should be at the end of the but new I'm game plus. But I'm glad it's not. I don't know. I would love to. Like I, I'm probably gonna go I'd like a there reason again to go through I there want, again. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, like I play. I've played it on hard, and it's it's really well balanced on that. And honestly, I feel like balanced well enough that even the new game plus, you're going to appreciate the upgrades as you continue to upgrade stuff. Because they do an interesting thing where you unlock basically everything by the time you're done the first time through. Uh, there are some new stuff. A new There's game some new plus. stuff, yeah. Yeah, you get like a new gun and also unlock like double the skill tree for each yeah. of the guns because yeah. th- th- those games have like a weird sort of the more leveling you, mechanic, weapons basically just gain experience and then they transform as you level them yeah once they reach their their geared out level level five they turn into a different gun and that that happens again yeah. once you're on new game plus yeah and like i really See want all to those, do yeah. that with all those guns yeah like uh, like it's but there's i platinumed it after just barely restarting the because new game plus. Because all you needed plus, was the like, trophy for to get to the weapons. first vendor. Yeah. yeah, which you get as soon as you go buy the new which initially game plus I, weapon. I which thought is the wording free. would have been different. I thought when so. they said have all weapons, that would have mean get the final form of every weapon, which would have been the way to do it. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think, but I loved playing that. That game's that great. game is outstanding, and I, I wanted an excuse to play all the way through the second time. But anyway... Um, like I platinumed that. I just recently platinumed. Um, uh, yep. Chicory. Mm. Going through there because that game is excellent, yep. excellent, and I have loved my time with that game. I've, I keep sending you guys so gifts, good. which is. Um, I I still love that. I still love that they give you the option to save gifts whenever you paint something like here's here's the whole process of you painting this thing it's such a cool thing to share not just here's the thing i drew but here's how i drew yeah, it absolutely it just it's really cool totally. yeah yeah i mean like if they're ever like not necessarily gifts but pictures from games you guys take i can always put those up on the instagram and the stories and whatnot so let me know um i i have some that i need to take yeah. off of my system for biomutant just some cool shots that i took so yeah, so let me know if you guys ever get shots of that. I'll put it up, but that's cool. And like, um, yeah, one of the games that I plan on playing starting this coming week is something that I actually read an article about being awesome. And I was like, oh, this this is checking the marks of everything I would like in a game. And it mentioned some uh, of its uh, con- some other contemporary games that obviously we're big fans of here at Sword Chomp. Which uh, the game is Ender Lilies, which is a game I bought and I unfortunately haven't put any time in yet, just because I was finishing the other games that I mentioned. But Josh was kind of on the fence about it, and then um, he had heard from some various places that it was good, and then I told him I was probably going to pick it up because I obviously one of the articles that I read about it cited 
some influence from Ori and I watched uh, a little bit of the intro and it had vibes of like Bloodstained a little bit and Ori and Hollow Knight. A lot of the contemporary uh, platformers or the um, Metroidvania games. So I was like, yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to check that out. And uh, so Josh ended up picking it up and he put some time into it. So I'm going to give the floor to Josh so he can talk about it because I'm actually really curious and I want to sit here and listen. So Josh, take it away. Yeah, I put a decent chunk of time in here 10 hours or so i'm not entirely sure but um it is a metroidvania um like a combat based metroidvania um kind of along the lines of something um like i've seen people to kind of describe it as souls like like a like a uh um blasphemous um and i wasn't really getting that at first um it's it's interesting like it, it's almost souls like in kind of the sense that like bloodborne is souls like where they change the formula on you and you're dodging a lot more because uh you start the game with a dodge and uh it's not until like hours and hours later that you eventually get the ability to parry enemies and by that point maybe you just want to stick with the dodge because why um, shake up the fundamentals of what you've been doing for hours yeah yeah and so it's a lot of it's built around dodging enemy attacks at exactly the right moment because you've only got so many iframes from it. Um, really, really tightly tuned combat, and I have been just loving it, loving a lot of the boss fights in there. It is... Uh, like some of the souls comparisons are justified, but also they give, they're very generous with the save points in this game. So it's not something that you're going to be too stumped by. It's, it's, it's something like, okay, like I've, I've gone, you know, three or four rooms through there. I cleared that out. I'm, I'm at the new checkpoint. Good. I'm, I'm like, I'm safe here. Um, and you're, you're pretty safe at that point. Um, it's it's I mentioned this to the guys early on that I was worried that it kind of had like greatest hits type of a feeling to it where it's like it's pulling so many ideas from so many different metroidvanias that like okay how is it going to end up feeling like its own thing I was kind of worried about that too um, like looking at some of the initial stuff and watching the initial uh, too much of a, a hodgepodge the, of ideas, yeah. yeah the intro stuff like that's why I I haven't seen many places kind of cite it, but that it reminded me of Bloodstained, and Bloodstained is a little bit stiff, and it kind of had that vibe or that mechanical vibe to it, or mechanics vibe, however you word that. Is yeah. it looks it also well, looks it's, a little. It's bit very stiff. much in the a little stiff, a little bit more in the Castlevania side of the Metroidvania stuff, as far as um, the way the mechanics and like. Um, you don't get like soul drops from enemies like you'd have a chance to in the, the all the Castlevania games of recent years. Um, but whenever you fight bosses, you will get souls that are essentially the same as just like Castlevania's done since Symphony of the Night, and that that sort of idea of like, okay, I want I want this ability, um, and you can pick. Two loadouts of three different spirits to have equipped okay. for your your abilities um, that you can then swap between those two loadouts 
for your three buttons. Um, gotcha. Um, what it, is the story? Uh, it what works. Is the story? It, it works. It's. Um, I think this is probably where the game is the weakest because it. You are playing as the white priestess, the white. That doesn't sound right. I'm sure it is right. Caucasian but, or um, like that. That is her her who's denoted color. Saving saving the world from the blighted, which are some sort of like undead curse that is kind of you know taking over the land and like some rain started and everyone's becoming cursed and becoming undead and somehow you gotcha. have to fix it so and a, you're the a, last one left. A and fantastical they retelling give you all of this the last the beginning year, is what you're saying. Yes. Well, but, like, but again, like the issue with it is that they give you a bunch of it at the start, and then like hours and hours in, I'm trying to remember what I'm supposed to be mm. doing because like there's nothing that I'm doing really feels like I'm making progress towards that initial goal, and none of the plot points the past game is set that the world's last are actually King. plot points. Yeah. Well, it it does it do, again. It feels like it's taking this from Souls from that more lore heavy thing where every time story you, yeah lore heavy like all the new plot points are just additional lore about the world and not new things about my actual who you are and why you're here so, like and why, why you were doing the things you were doing yeah and it's very easy to forget what the hell you're actually supposed to be doing long term over the course of this thing is not there like, some um, kind of like journal or whatnot in the menus that give you a refresher no, no, they do like the whole really? item description thing where, you know, you get lore dumps in the items as well, which um, all, although they're not as necessary as like the, you know, when you defeat a boss it, and get information that from that. That all seems very soul inspired. It's not quite as clear cut as, you know, the classic Metroidvanias of the day, like Symphony of the Night, the story of a, a boy home from college to fuck up his dad's place. Yeah, exactly. Um... But again, it's fine. Like, I played uh, D-Lit and Wonder Labyrinth earlier in the year, and that is just purely a Symphony of the Night-like. Sounds like I like should it probably is play that. Like, it's just 100% Symphony of the Night. And I loved it at the time. There's a story, but it's essentially, you know, some Chain of Memories-type nonsense where you wandered into a place and all your memories are replaying for some reason. So, like, none of it makes sense if you're not a fan of that Wonder Labyrinth uh, yeah. IP. You know what? I'll just play Symphony of the Night and, this uh, week, guys. It's fine. It, like, it was a great game, but there's basically no story worth talking about unless you're already a fan of the franchise. Mm. And this is kind of feeling the same way but there's no franchise. But, like, there's no franchise. It's just, it just doesn't have much going on. Um... But again, like I, I don't feel like that matters. Is like, I don't know. Like I'm a. I generally play my Metroidvanias for the mechanics. Like just, is kind of just plain and simple what it boils down to. I think. Um, like I like when they've got a good story behind it, but that's not generally why I'm there. Okay. Is so like even though I think that's kind of the weakest part of the game, kind of doesn't I don't matter care. to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, yeah. I would agree with you on that. Granted, simply for the sole fact of when I play those st- uh, 
those types of games, I'm not really as interested in the story. Um, more so just the world and the world building. Uh, Ori is kind of an exception, but Ori has such a yeah. beautifully simplistic story. It's more in the yeah. way it's told that makes that game so yeah fucking yeah. Fantastic. Like it's not super complex, but it's still really good. Like I, I like I said, like I don't care if there's not a good story, but I do love when there is one. Like I I absolutely love Ori, both of those yep. games. And Blasphemous is great because it's it's a 2D Souls-like Metroidvania game that has an amazing story to go along with it. It's like it's great when they have it, but also it's not a it's not like a it doesn't kill the experience for me when they don't. Right, so. exactly. Exactly. I mean like I was enjoying when I was playing um Bloodstained. I'd never finished that game. And it doesn't have the most interesting story in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I wasn't really necessarily there for that. I was more for the um, the, the, the aesthetic in general and the gameplay. So um, I'm excited to break into that game this week, and uh, we'll definitely have a more lengthy, meaty discussion on it next week as Rich and I both put some time into that game, and that way Josh isn't kind of just sitting here yeah. talking to himself. We'll be yeah, able to talk sure. more about it. But... Um, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I am too, actually. I'm really excited for that game. Josh also played another game called Trace Memory. I have no idea what this game is. Um, Josh, please tell us about <laughs> it. This this is this is an old game. This is an old original it's DS game, one of the early ones. Um and it is a mystery game, mystery like adventure game, essentially. Kind of, you know, uh, you know, PC adventure game um, mm. style thing with, with the pixel hunting and the finding stuff on screens and solving puzzles. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but also, this one was, since it was one of the early DS games, it has a lot of, like, the, you know, some of the some of the gimmicky stuff. Mm. Like, let's use all the systems on this thing that the, the game has mechanics for um, and use them in sometimes really cool ways okay. because they're trying to tell a story it is um you you uh you are a a 13 year old girl who has uh been orphaned apparently and you just got a letter from your <gasps> dad who you thought was dead um and need to, need to go find him what on this island with an abandoned uh uh, mansion. Not an uh, island. This sounds like some anime uh, bullshit. It, yes, yes. And and as soon as you get there, you find a ghost. Spooky. Who also doesn't know his past. So so the two Is of you Patrick have to go Swayze? find your past together on this island. Um, while you find out how your dad is still alive, and and also find out why this ghost is dead because he. I'm pretty sure that's remember. the plot. Is your dad um, Elvis you. Presley in the game? Uh, but the ghost is. No, he. Uh, Come on, little mama, let's go find your daddy. He he looks he looks a lot like uh, uh Johnny fuck, Bravo. What's Yelrick's dad? Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking uh, Hohenheim. Hohenheim. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The Yelrick's brothers. Yeah, yeah, Hohenheim. Hohenheim yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks he looks an awful lot like him. Um. But uh. Yeah, so it's kind of adventure gamey 
just fun goodness with some uh honestly some of the gimmicks that they were using for for this ds console were really neat like there's there's one where you have to use the screen on one side of the thing as a mirror to reflect the the other side so you can see like like if you fold your ds in half halfway you can see one screen and the reflection of the other one and like line it up in just the right figure way out like a, in that's order to neat get, that's real neat yeah in in order to get the solution for something that's and that really one took cool. me forever because i've played so many gimmicky ds games and that particular use never really occurred smart. yeah and like it was it, it's signposted really well in the game it's just I had no reference that that would be a thing possible, and so it took me a long time to figure it out. But once I did, I was just, like, it's just, it's so cool. Like, why would, like, the fact that somebody thought to to do that was just it's the coolest cool. thing. Yeah. Um, That's really creative. The, the story is very kind of light, you know, visual novel-y type fare. Anime. You know. Kids, kids, mystery again. You're a 13 year old girl solving a mystery with a ghost. Um, but it, it's what fine. episode like of Wishbone is this? I, it, it was exactly, exactly. It was a, it was a very fun little, little mystery adventure game. That uh, anyway, I've been over, over the last few months. I've been going through and trying to like fill in my collection of a lot of old games of stuff that uh, I missed back in the day. So I've been, I've been trying to go through some old stuff that I was interested in and didn't get around to with different DS games and GBA games and some PSP stuff and yep, everything. And this one was, uh, this one was uh, near the top of the list to go through. And uh, sounds worth it. It was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's really cool, though, that you're jumping back and doing some of those things. I think that's a really cool thing about like the Super Nintendo's, uh, or sorry, the 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 Switch's Super Nintendo um, thing that you can access with the online yeah. play. I I love things like that because that allows us to be able to go back and play some of those classics that we never had time or to play, or never got around to playing, or never even heard of. Um, or just replay. Donkey so that's really cool. I'm glad again. you ended up doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rich, you said you wanted to talk about Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, which you assured me before we um, came back from break that it is not a um, sexual joke of any kind or nature. So I'm going to let you take it away and talk about the about demo. Game. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. The uh, This demo has been down for a while at this point, but I did play it before it went down. Um, this is for that uh, Team Ninja sort of Souls-like uh, Final Fantasy 1 prequel uh, that I feel like had one of the worst E3 trailers imaginable. That trailer did this game a terrible disservice, and I'm here to talk it up a little bit because the demo was actually pretty cool. Um, so it is very much akin to like a Neo to a, a Souls-like sort of thing in terms of that action-based combat. Um, I, I think the reason they showed the character looking so bland, looking like fucking Eminem, in that trailer uh, is probably because you're never going to see that character because with this being a taking place in one of the traditional Final Fantasy game universes, 
Um, it's all about a ju- it's all there about job no systems, baby. Um, and that's yeah. what I personally think makes this game so cool because it is an action RPG with a job system that allows you to ta- to change jobs with the press of a button. Uh, so you can be like oh, mid combo cool. uh, attacking with like, as like a warrior, and then suddenly your entire garb will shift into that of a mage, and you can like follow up with a high powered spell. Um, oh yeah, the combat's got a really good that flow is... to it, uh, and it is totally mapped out. You can remap it if it's not for you, but it's totally mapped out like a Souls game with attacking on the triggers and stuff, which feels a little weird when you're playing something that is branded as a Final Fantasy game. Uh, I can't really speak much to the story because it's very weird to be doing a prequel to Final Fantasy 1, which is very light on story. There's a whole lot of Garland and a whole lot of people talking about chaos. But you have to you save have to the stop kingdom. the man that would become chaos. Uh, but I, I can say I am now probably going to check that out after having taken the time to put into the demo because that combat feels real good. Mm. That's cool, man. Like, I... Okay. Despite a lot of the backlash that it got, it looked pretty interesting. It, it's an interesting concept when it uh, first. That's the thing, though. At E3, I disagree. I thought it looked like shit, uh, but then I played the demo and it changed my mind. I I, just, I don't know. I thought it looked interesting in the like the multiplayer aspects yes. of it, but like the levels they showed Every, and whatnot. That trailer so is terribly cut. Like, uh, but but it it is through yeah, a like, Souls game like it's got bonfires it's got all that shit. The the yeah. thing that is a little different I would say than your atypical Souls game and I think Neo was probably guilty of this as well. You can totally just grind shit out in this game and job level and yeah. they're just decimating stuff. But I don't necessarily consider that a knock because I think it makes it more accessible for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's. Honestly, like, that's something you can do in Demon Souls. Other than the fact that you can also shoot yourself in the foot and screw up your world tendency Hell so badly yeah. that it doesn't matter how much you grind. So, like, it's like you can almost do it other than, you know, without any knowledge of the systems, also completely screw yourself over yeah. type stuff. But, like, they're, they're generally easier as far as the way the mechanics were, and they've gotten harder and harder through the years and people kind of assume that that's how they always were Chaos. like yeah like i think demon souls or, or dark souls 3 bloodborne and sekiro are all really hard compared to some of the earlier like dark Souls, especially dark souls one and demon souls like as much as everyone talked about how hard they were they are approachable if you know what they are and kind of meet them on their own terms and I didn't like the idea of like the random loot and stuff in like Neo when those came out but it allows you to grind through stuff and you don't have to interact with it all that much if you don't yeah, want you can, to it kind of disengage from that it makes it more flexible it makes it yeah. a more flexible experience and I think that is fine it's something that I was not as on board with at the time, but the more time I've spent with that series and and kind of other games, other Souls-likes, now that so many other people have, you know, taken their shot at that formula, 
I think it's fine. I think it's absolutely fine. Agreed. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we have one more game to talk about before we get to some social media backend stuff. Umarangi uh, is a game that I've never fucking heard of that Josh played this week. Um, so I'm curious about that. What is this, Josh? What is this oh, game? I, I've heard of this baby. Uh, Umarangi Generation is a cyberpunk photography game. All right. Damn um, youths. Like a low poly, like kind of kind of somewhere between N64 and Dreamcast gen like polygon looking um, photography game where you are uh, you're you like you get a you get a set level and you've got to take pictures of X amount of things and then deliver all those photographs that you just took put, give all the film to somebody who wants it Um and essentially wordlessly get an idea of the world that this is all taking place in, um, which is kind of where a lot of that cyberpunk stuff comes in because um, there are these blue bottle, like man of war jellyfish things kind of hanging out in different parts badass. of the. The, the areas that uh, you need to avoid taking pictures of whenever you're f- f- photographing stuff because uh, it'll like kill your score and uh, you just you, you, you can't take pictures of these things and it's not explained at all at the beginning okay. Okay. and you eventually as you go on kind of by picking up context clues from this again mostly wordless setting while just taking pictures um come to understand what's going on and and, and how everything is going like why that is like why why can't you take these pictures without it uh you know being something that your client does not want photographed um and it is it is really solid. It's got again, like I mentioned, kind of the old school aesthetic of it, but it's got that sort of feeling of like level based go there, learn a level. It kind of kind of in a obviously not the movement of it, but kind of like in a Tony Hawk sort of, okay, here's where the skate letters are. Let me let me master this space. Mm. This this little space. Cause each of the levels are small enough that you can eventually just just know them in and out and understand where everything is um which i think kind of helps from the storytelling aspect because they're small enough for you to find everything um and it's also reinforced with the mechanics because um you ha- you have two conflicting mechanics of find all the film canisters which are little pickups that will um, refill your film because you've got 24 shots just like a normal roll of film and uh, when you pick up a film canister it refills back up to 24 um, okay. 
Um, and those are really hard to find because they are film canister sized through these levels. So you've got to really, really pay attention to the nitty gritty aspects of what's going on for one of the things. And then the other one is to de- complete your delivery on time, which is 10 minutes, uh, which means that this is, these are sort of levels that you're going to have to go through and replay uh, a couple times or at least twice, if nothing else, to to just master them and be able to do all the objectives at once to, to unlock stuff, get the scores you want and whatnot. Um, just from a gameplay standpoint, mm. um, which is really cool. And then also, since it's a photography game, the unlocks you get are different camera accessories. Like, okay, I just unlocked a telephoto lens. I just unlocked a flash. Um, so it's a lot of times fun to go back into levels you've already played and have new equipment, new photography equipment to take photos. This kind of sounds like photography um, because, porn, essentially. Yeah, like, I've, it's, it's, it is, like, really, really colorful, really stylized places to take photos. And it's interesting because you see the world, essentially, they do a really good job of simulating seeing the world like you would just kind of like a normal eye um, kind of shutter speed hmm. thing. And then when you take a photo based on the lighting, um, it will drastically change the way a camera would interact with that. And I think they do a really good job of of doing that because in a lot of photography games, they just don't or not in a lot of photography games, but but in a lot of photography modes for other games, you click to take a screenshot and it is exactly what you just saw before you did that. And in this, they're simulating the amount of light that's able to come into your camera, given this f-stop. Uh, when you take a you know a photograph this way, interesting, uh, and it's really cool taking a photograph and having it not look exactly the way you just saw and having to rethink um, like the mechanical operations of the camera you're using to like to, to take another one right. again. Um, I, have, I have a few quick questions. Which is cool. I have um, a few quick questions if that's okay. Some rapid fires. Yeah. Uh, does this, yeah. does this game hold a lot more interest for a person if they're already interested in photography or do you feel like there's enough here that the average person would be interested. Is this more like a, it's because to me, it sounds like while it sounds interesting in premise, if you're not necessarily excited about photography, that it isn't necessarily going to be the game for you. Kind of sounds like that to me. Is that true? Um, I think it, I think yes, I think there's enough there that you could get the story out of the game. Just going through and, um, a lot of what I've been describing, like the film canisters and the time limit are secondary objectives. So like, if you want to do everything, Mm. you do that. Uh, the main objectives are always just specific things that you, you know, your client wants pictures of. Yeah. So you can just go through the list and be like, okay, uh, they want these things and just go down the list, take the pictures of that and turn them in. And again, because the story is, wordless in the places that you're at you'll I think there's enough there that you'd get the story and kind of um, 
understand what's going on. Um, I don't know if the game is fleshed would be fleshed out enough to be satisfying at that level. But then again, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it's hard to say. It is. It is. Okay. Like I I. I couldn't tell you because I I love photography. Like I've been into cameras since the film era, and again, like I I love that they're simulating how cameras actually work in this game. Okay. To to make you think about it at that level, because that's that's something I really enjoy. So I I don't know. I I'm I'm honestly and I'm a little bit unsure how someone who's not into yeah. photography a level of bias would there. would. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Okay, my other question then is, um, as someone who not necessarily knows a lot about photography, I I am one of those people. But just in general, if you f- do, you feel like someone would take enough away from this game to where it would garner interest. You know, I always think about myself when I first picked up Rock Band and I picked up drums on play- playing drums on Rock Band, and that transferred into me. Um, playing drums in real life and I ended up playing in bands and whatnot and that that was one of the biggest impacts video gaming has ever had on me and to this day I still play the drums um, would you say that this could be in some way shape or form a spark of interest to get people into photography I mean to, to the to the best of your ability yeah ob- objectively yeah, I, I again like I love it beforehand but I feel like this is a good enough representation of how it actually works to get you thinking along those lines. Um, and the game does a fairly good job of um, like they, there. it's not you don't start the game and there's a tutorial. It's like in the menu, if you want a tutorial, you go read it and it takes like a minute to read through and they tell you what you're graded on. Um, so like how, how you're going to be scored for these photographs that you're taking. Um and like they're specifically telling you that aesthetics are not taken into account at all because like again, there's no way you could program that. So they're like, okay, you, you know your your composition, how colorful it is, and they kind of they, they give you your criteria. But within that, um, it's still a flexible enough system that I think I think you'd be interested to in you know into just photography in general after something like this if. Um, I mean, probably not everybody, but I, I think I think it would be a good a good way to kind of dip your toe in. Much cheaper alternative to going and buying out even a used, um, decently nice camera. I mean, to try it out in a video mm-hmm. game, I think. And Josh, would be smart are, and are you playing on? Are you playing on PC? I'm playing. Because I know on it PC. recently launched on Switch, I've, but it's been out for a while on PC. It recently launched on Switch. And I've considered getting on Switch as well because the Switch has a really cool thing where they've got motion controls. Oh, for the that camera. is cool. So that like, is real cool. You can you can just do the first person walking around or whatever, and, and then as soon as you pull out the for, camera, for the record, yeah. you're just it, holding exactly, the camera. Depending on the the size of the ca- like, a Switch is pretty one to one for certain yeah. cameras in terms of like feel in your hands. Yeah, yeah, and I'm. I've I've considered just picking it up for the Switch as well because of because of the yeah, motion I knew I controls wanted, for it, which sounds insane. No, it, it like, doesn't because I, I knew I wanted to pick this up at some point yeah. eventually, and now you've actually sold me on the Switch version because I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm 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 pretty. Sh- 
I'll check it before, but I'm, I... I'm, I'm 99% sure. I'm pretty sure someone that I follow mentioned that they had the, the motion controls for the, for it the would camera make mode. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Dope. Cool. Well, so. um, there you have it. I mean, that's pretty much all the games that... I mean, that's a lot of games, obviously, we've talked about. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, there, there are a lot of short hitters, so... Um, it was kind of a, kind of a slow week for us, I yeah. think, um, and I'm sure a slow week for a lot of people is they're probably either just kind of playing the games that have come out this year or cutting into their backlog, which I think is always a beautiful thing um, if we can whittle that down little by little um, before it builds back mm-hmm. up. That's always a good thing for us. But cool. Um, do you guys want to take another quick break before we get into the back end, or you just want to power through it? I ha- I have to make it to pee pee. I do too, actually. So. <laughs> We're going to be right back. We're going to take another break and uh, don't go anywhere. We have some social media stuff, some really, really funny stuff to talk about. So uh, we'll be right back. Hey there. Welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to the Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering. Hey, shit. Tell them about the other podcast. (sighs) Yes, I know you're wondering. What else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. All right, we are back. Um... Us three dancing queens, which will make no sense to you. Uh, some off the air stuff that we were just talking about. Uh, we have some social media ABBA. polls to discuss. <laughs> ABBA, baby. It's ABBA. Um, we're going to talk about some social media polls. Every um, I've changed the day. It used to be every Monday, but the last few weeks I've done it every Tuesday, and we've had a lot bigger turnout on those days. So I'm actually switching the day from now on to every Tuesday. At the Sword Chomp Instagram. There you go. I will do social Ooh, media polls um, where you guys can vote and we read out the results. Most of it is gaming related. Sometimes it's just funny other random stuff that um, I or the other guys have thought of. Um, and w- you just vote on them and we discuss the results. Um, really fun. Just easy way to get you guys involved and have fun on the back end of the show. So um, first poll was, so this is supposed to be the holy grail of video games. A sealed original Legend of Zelda for the Famicom rated at 90, and it's listed, I spelled Mm -hmm. listed for some reason terribly wrong, for over 100,000 U.S. dollars. Um, It's been listed on eBay. I I don't know if it's sold at this point or not. I think it's Um, sold for 150. Did it? Yeah, I think it's I think it sold for 150,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this, yeah, after after the after the poll was made, I'm, I think that I think that's what the final sale interesting. was. Interesting. Okay, it was around 150. The choices 000. were "fuck me, I need that" or "fuck me, that's insane." 14 percent of people said "fuck me, I need that." 
while the other 86% of people um, are bogged down by our capitalistic society and can't afford that. So um, there, there was uh-huh. the uh, Woo! first result. But like, I was, I was a yeah. little bit surprised at that price. Um, not necessarily at the game the, uh, itself. Uh, Legend of Zelda, obviously, all pun intended, is a legendary gaming yeah. series, so it makes complete sense. But there's a wow, uh, that's a steep price. I was actually I was talking to my wife about this earlier this week. Um, there, there are a couple reasons for that for that price. Uh, first being this was like one of the original printing of it, um, like the first run that that had like different. I think it had different, uh, like, text on the back of the box um, that was only printed for, like, a very short amount mm. of time before they, they updated it. Um, and also in great condition, which is insane for a paper box. Yeah, and it's from sealed, the 80s. too, on top of that. Yeah, a sealed paper box from the 80s. Like, the idea that that's still in good shape is insane. And that I think that's that's kind of why... It garnered such the price. It was just, it was like for like a couple months that this thing was ever produced. It's still here. It's still in that condition. So it's it's like a you know a, a series of reasons why it ended Look, up guys, being. I'm no stranger um, to this world. That much. I know a thing or two about valuable sealed games. <laughs> what are you that's holding right. up, Rich? Uh, this great. is a copy, a sealed copy of Kelly Slater's Pro Server mm. for the PlayStation Two. I want, there you go. I want speaking, you. Speaking of random sports game, I've been. Uh, I, I told you earlier about how I'd been uh, going through my retro kick and buying a bunch of old games, and my wife requested one, and so I just recently ordered a a copy with with an original case, black label of Hot Wheels Turbo Racing for the PlayStation One. That's as you should. I hear that new Hot Wheels game is pretty good, but let me let me bring you boys back to a time. This game was published by Activision O2, which means there was a time when Activision was putting out so many games based on water sports, they decided they needed their own. Yeah, they had their own division. Well, Rich, I I have a request um, as your friend, fellow co-host, fellow business partner, all of that. Um, so I think I, I'm within my rights to make this request. May I please request that you send that game in to be graded. Um, you try and sell it on eBay for an amount of money, and you document this whole thing and make a small documentary can, about it. Can I, expen- it on can I expense it? Um, no. I'll think about it. Okay. Okay. Think about it. Get back to me. Honestly, if you did that, that would be one of the most amazing fucking videos I've ever watched. Like you're just totally serious. Like, can we put way too much time and production into it and film it like making a murderer? I would love that. I would love that. But we don't have that kind of budget at this current point in time. But we could. But I'll get but into more of that. We do finally have an unpaid intern. So you know that's what he's here for. Mm-hmm. We're we're getting one step closer to legitimacy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, I Absolutely. honestly, Rich, I would love for you to make a funny fucking short documentary on that whole process. But um, yeah, I have very fucking, nice cameras 000. I never use. It's about time. <laughs> hundred thousand, like I would have expected twenty thousand, but one hundred fifty thousand. Wow. I mean, props to whoever bought that. I mean, whoever has that kind of money. So, all right, next poll. 
someone accessed the original version of Cyberpunk 2077 and found a bunch of content cut from the game to make it playable on the last-gen consoles, which would be the PS4 and Xbox One. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of content missing that was cut out from the game that apparently made it a little bit more cohesive, enjoyable, and playable and whatnot. And 50% of people said, I want to try that. I want to check that out. I want to see how that is. Um, 40% or 43% of people said, just let it die. Like, just let the game die. Like, let it shuffle off. Let it be done. So, yeah, I can understand that. Honestly, I, I, like, we don't talk about this enough. Like, there's a lot of talk about, you know, paid DLC that's on the disc and crap like that through the years recently, but cut content is really important. Hmm. Really important. I mean, think about how many just absolutely dumb fuck ideas you have in any given day. <laughs> all my now ideas imagine are imagine there are hundreds of people, yeah, all these people working on a game for that long. Some of it needs to be cut. Like, some of it needs to be cut. Uh, like, even if it was worked on long enough to have assets on the disc. Yeah, that that's just it. Like, like a lot of stuff gets left what on the cutting stuff room is being floor cut. for a number of reasons. Well, I mean, stuff that didn't work out logistically, yeah. stuff that they didn't see through long enough to properly finish. There's a million reasons to cut something. Um, it's hilarious because, speaking of cut content, I made a reference to this earlier. Like, and this is going to sound like a crazy thing for me. I kind of want to watch to see what happens with this Death Stranding director's cut because all the stuff they apparently cut from that game looks right. awesome. Like, I'm like, <laughs> everything they cut is like the level of stupid Metal Gear stuff I would have wanted in that game. Yeah, and the game already was insane. It was it, like, go go connect America, America together. And, like, what, what do you want to go do? I'm gonna build it a was highway. Insane, yeah, but in boring ways. And now they're like, we got a cargo catapult yeah. and race cars. Yep, yep. And uh, I loved that game. Like, it's got a ton of problems. I think the story is one of the dumbest things ever. But like, the gameplay loop, I love. Well, like, it is just a relaxing. See, I was, I was not going to be all walking I, I got, simulator. I, but you guys uh, can hear it here first. Like, I now that I know it's a ten dollar upgrade to get that content from the ps4 version of the ps5 mm -hmm. i'm probably gonna give this game a second look with its new stupid content yeah have you have you heard what it's gonna be for the pc I version i do not know i do it's probably gonna be okay. 70 i would bet i'm hoping there's an upgrade path there as might well. be I know, I know the p like i can upgrade that ps4 version to the ps5 version with the new content for ten dollars and i'm in for that yeah i'm i'm hoping it's just like a dlc pack and i can't can believe get. i'm so the like, person it's just a base this. game and yeah, because I, I own two copies of that yeah, game. I, That's, uh, I understand I'm an insane why you never, person. I own it on PS4 I understand and why you never told me that, because I would have <laughs> mocked you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that game. It is stupid. I think it's one of the... Like, I think it's finally stupid enough for me. Kojima stories are ridiculous, and I love them in the ridiculousness, but like that one, because no one was saying, isn't this a little too ridiculous? Is so far no off the deep end. And it ended up being boring to me. It wasn't stupid enough. Hmm. That doesn't make any sense. There was no one to tell him no. Yeah, Rich. And I pulled my headphones out in the middle yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, that'll teach you to lie. All right, let's move on to the next topic so we don't get too hung up on this one. Even though, or the next poll, 
Even though we are a few weeks removed from E3, one thing that has stuck with me, um, the lines between AAA and indie are starting to blur a little bit. Is the term indie becoming more nebulous for you? Uh, 47% of people said not at all, and 53% of people said I can't tell anymore, as in I can't tell the difference uh, really between the two. I, yeah, I think we're starting to use it improperly is kind of the issue. I think people have started using indie to mean anything that's not triple A tri- exactly. world of, of double A games. And there's a ton of double A games and A games and B yeah. games. And like, no, there's, there used to be a ton of space for that. Everyone knew it B, in the B PS2 ga- era. Like most of this stuff is shovelware, but it's still made I, by I a corporation. One statement there, Josh. I don't think B games exist anymore. Mm. I think that market is mostly gone. What I what I would call a B game. I disagree with that. Mm. I disagree with that. I mean, I would say in all, um, I th- like I th- I'd say that Biomutant is a perfect example of a B game. To be honest with you, whether or I not you like it, a. I wouldn't even say that. I mean, it's a it's a small like the money thrown behind it doesn't really agree. It's it's twenty. Like, there's 20 people yeah, in that studio, I think it's at least right? an A. You know what? I think actually, that's probably you know, an A. You know what? B might be... Uh, actually, I might be willing to apply B to that because it's that level of, like, cheap era, and I, I don't mean that, like, in a, in a bashly way, like, PS2 action game, and no. I think there's a little more heart yeah. in Biomutant by that. And what I don't mean to say is I don't think the B game doesn't exist, period, anymore. I th- In the PS2 era, that was dominating the marketplace in a way in oh, for sure. actually doing a little bit more of For now. sure. I think about... I think about a yeah. game like Exterminator, yeah, like I, um, which was a PS2 game, which was kind of a ripoff between like Resident Evil, those style of games. Um, it was like a cheap $5 game that you could get pretty much anywhere, and it was B-level fun. And that's just one of the many, many examples. And I think that... Um, well, that like, kind of, there, like, there were some great games that... yeah. That didn't have to have the entire company's budget thrown exactly. behind them. I mean, stuff like Katamari Damacy at launched $40. at twenty dollars. I, th- I think it, it was launched at twenty. Was it twenty? It was, was it forty? Maybe it was thirty because games were retailing for fifty at then. But forty is the number I have in my head. But it might have been thirty. Okay, I'm pretty sure it dropped to twenty nearly and instantly. Then it, and then it after was, that, it became and, impossible to get for many years. Because I. I bought it new at twenty dollars. I could, be, I could and be I don't mistaken, know, but thirty or forty like, is more of the number that sticks in my head. And I know, I know, at the time, a lot of games got the whole game of the year edition. You know, ten months later, that was twenty bucks because they used to have the whole green label thing and actually sell you a new game yep. for less money that no one does do anymore. Which bring that back, uh, bring that back, guys. I would really appreciate that. But that, yeah. I, I need to. I, I'll have to double check, but it was it was significantly cheaper than retail when it launched because they didn't throw the entire budget the, at this thing. They they knew it was a smaller experience. Yeah. Let's make this and release it for what and it, it was. And it was great. should cost it's fucking timeless. Uh, I I think when I think yeah. of like what a B game is in that terms of like B open world game games like the Saboteur stick in my head. As like this was a yeah. good fun game, but they didn't throw everything in the world behind it, and they made a pretty all right product. I like currently. I think of a lot of the. It's there's not a good answer for what they should be called, but a lot of the indie games that have been published, that have been published by 
big publishers recently, like the Square Enix Collective games. Like, they're made by indie teams, but they have money behind them. They have a, so it's like, they what, have a what do you call these things? Yeah. They're, indie, they're indie teams. Yeah. But they're being funded yeah. from the outside. But then, then again, you all, like, again, it's just, it's so nebulous. Like, you don't know what to call these things. Like, I, like, I think still the B era is like, um, stuff like a plague tale. Like, I feel like that is, there's, there's not a ton of money behind it. They still manage to make sure. something that's really really impressive looking because there's more money behind it more of a team working on it than an indie team could ever really put together um but it's it it's not something that everyone's you know Clamoring banking for, on yeah. to keep to keep the company afloat yeah yeah so yeah i works out, it works out and they get a sequel I, I think yes yeah. it's kind of hard to identify some of that stuff too because we've seen a lot of uh the bigger studios starting to buy a lot of these smaller studios, so it's hard to say are these technically still indie yeah. or not. You know, you in recent years we've had Microsoft buy up a ton of studios. Like, um, yeah. are those are those still technically indie, even though Microsoft is overseeing things and pouring its money in? And that's I think part of the reason why it becomes a little bit more nebulous as well is, um, are, how how are those still identified? Yeah. It's, and, like, companies have done this forever. Like, we, we act like it's a new thing, but I think that the new part of it is that we've thought of indies as their own sort of thing. For the longest time, that was just that was just games. Like, us, during the 90s, any indie team who made a game, they were all made. Like, all the old adventure games are made of teams of 10 yeah. or smaller. Like, they're, they're tiny little studios working everything. The LucasArts games... You look at the credits for those, they roll by in 10 yeah, seconds. Not, it was the same um, people for many years working on all those games, but they also had... Yeah, and... LucasArts and, also had money. They were a small team, but they had yes. money. Yeah, and so it, it was not really an idea of, like, um, indies being their own distinct category. Like, games were games. Yeah. Um, it might just... It so. might just be a place right now where we're kind of in a transitory period trying to figure out how to categorize games and whatnot. It kind of feels like we yeah. are in a transitory period of what we identify these various games as. And we're kind of coming up upon a different mm -hmm. age of gaming. Um, a very drastically different age of gaming, I believe. Um, not necessarily signaled by the release of the new consoles, just the way things are looked at and identified within the past years, few years, especially since we started the podcast and now has drastically changed. Um, so I think th those things are going to continue to be kind of sussed out and figured out and, um, sus. Yeah. Sus. Sus is such a versatile word, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that there's a clear cut answer here. It was just kind of something interesting. It was, I was thinking about it because I was thinking about, um, yeah. the lack of truly interesting information we found out about any kind of triple A or double A or single A games that we found out at E3 where for me, whereas I felt we got a lot more information and a lot more interesting, um, things to learn about with a bunch of indie or indie adjacent titles. And, um, as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, what, what, of, which of these are classified as indies at this point? You look at something like 12 minutes where, you know, it may have started out as, indie-ish or indie-esque but it's clearly 
I don't think it can be identified as an indie game when you have people like Willem Dafoe starring in your game. At well, was that, that point, game always? It, was that game always well, Annapurna? But, I believe so. I don't remember if they were Annapurna because I mean Annapurna's. But, but then again, like I, I, I'd push back on that um, because of uh, uh, what's the name of the game? My brain is. Um, Beyond Two Souls. The world, the World War Two game with my Patrick memory Stewart. of us with Patrick that didn't Stewart. have any yeah. money behind my it. Of us, small Polish. My dude. memory of us, well, very nice guys. Yeah, like it's like some some of these people have been able to get a hold of big names just because the product people, speaks to the the person who's been willing to get on board. Well, yeah. yeah, like I I feel like gaming has got a it's it's reached a point where. A game can kind of speak on its own merits. Like, okay, like, okay, I like the idea of this project. I'm, I'm going to be on board for this. Yes, um, but I think that is an exception to the rule. That particular example, um, you know, having yeah, talked yeah, twelve with minutes is Annapurna is a movie studio getting a hold of actors. Yes. Yeah. yeah in the example yeah, of my was... memory of us, um, having talked to the developers when I was able to talk with them. Uh, they approach Patrick Stewart fully knowing that they could never pay Patrick Stewart the money that he normally um, wants, but they just pitch their idea, and because Patrick Stewart loved the idea so much that he agreed to come on for for essentially for a much, much lesser amount than what he normally would ask yeah. for. Now, that kind of speaks to your point, but I can't think any yeah, of any I other think... examples that that would be the oh, well, case, you know what I, I mean? part and of I that just... is his... Go ahead. His is his his background in theater. It, theater doesn't pay as well as you know movies and TV for the most part. And I think he kind of it, it's something he loves. Like he's he, he, he is sees it as a medium so where he's like they're doing at, something really cool here, and they're clearly passionate about the work they're doing. And it's like you said, I think the theater yeah. background attests to like I want to help these guys out because I think they're making something cool. Um, and it would be cool to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I just I. Th- my point was being that I think that a lot of those things have become a little bit more nebulous out of the recent years. And I think we're going to figure it. I think it'll be figured out if yeah. the categories even need to exist. And I think they kind of do uh, in some regards to, to an yeah. extent, to an extent. I think, I think there's something behind knowing whether or not you should expect, you know, a, a graphics card melting, you know, triple A experience that well that in- is going to make its money because eight million people bought yeah. the game, or or something like there's there's definitely you should know that sort of thing going in, um, but also before before I don't know I think I think honestly the triple A space has done such a poor job telling stories on the whole that like it's it's mm, I, an outlier whenever one of them I, is good i can't entirely agree point. with that but that's and a conversation for another day what i will say is this i think yeah that's that's completely yeah, beside uh, the point i don't know I, where i went there, I, I, yeah i don't agree with that but what i will say is this i think it's important to have these categorizations not to argue with people about like well uh, indie game can't be game of the year i fucking hate that conversation um we like oh yeah I'm not. I'm not even gonna like tiptoe around it. We've had that argument multiple times on the show, and I fucking hate that argument. Um, 
it doesn't matter argument. who it's come from. I just don't like that argument in general. But the point <laughs> the point is that um, I think it's important because, for example, if in the example of Cyberpunk 2077, a game we've talked about before, um, expectations were high and rightfully so. They set the bar. They're the ones who set the bar. Um, <laughs> and for them to fail as cataclysmically as they did, I mean... If it was an indie studio and this was like the first or second game, yeah, that's easier to manage expectations and that's easier to be understanding to a certain degree when something flops like that. Um, I think, you know, that's good. I think that's I, good. In, in a situation like that, it's good. And on the flip side of that, um, if a game does really well and you, they have this small studio and you do not expect them to do as well as they have, I think this should understandably be praised for that you know what i mean like uh you look at supergiant who has mm-hmm. just put out good game after good game after good game and then they mastered their their little indie niche with hades so much so that i don't think they're going to be considered indie after this um because i imagine they've made a ton of money off of hades and they're, they're going to be looked at as a much higher quality studio at this point um i think that was i think it's it's a good thing when you identify certain games or you're trying to manage expectations or what have you to know what these things are classified as. I think that's important. And I think it's also important when you're suggesting games to people, when you like, if I were to suggest something, somebody play Biomutant, yeah. I'm going to be like, look, it's B level game. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of mindless fun. Don't expect a deep involved story. Like, um, like in a narrative driven game or like, yeah, I, 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 get, I don't, hmm. There's a lot more nuance to that conversation, again, and again, that's I think that's a conversation yeah. for another day. That maybe we could even do it as a topic in the future. I just think that the categories, cate- categorizations, yeah. do need to exist in some capacity because they do serve some level of purpose. Yeah, I think that. I think the issue is that there used to be more than one variety coming out of a studio. Is kind of where, the, like, I think that's where the designations came from. Like, the AAA game was not from a AAA studio. It was, this is the big game from them. Like, this is the one we're banking mm, on. Kind of like gonna, a team, put more maybe like a Team it. Ninja, right? Like, where they're famous for putting out Ninja Gaiden games. Well, but, like, where, like, for example, um... Oh, like we mentioned Squarespace early on. You mean Square Square Enix? The 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 final, well, but no, like Square early Space, early Square, Square. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Did I say Squarespace? Oh, well, whatever the fuck. Squaresoft. <laughs> like during the nineties, they released. They had they had varying, variety like, and they've they I feel like they've kind of kept this up well, again with their like publishing indie titles still, but like. They had the Final Fantasy games that all the money went behind. This was the big thing. This is going to be the kind of flagship of the company sort of games. And then they also had random weird stuff as well. That's true. Yeah, Final Uh, Fantasy is the thing that keeps the lights on and lets you try the weird shit. Yeah, and I feel like some companies have dropped the weird stuff. Like, I mean, you look at, like... There's a yearly Call of Duty. Why? You don't need one every year, but like, 
well, this makes so much money. This is the th the big thing that lets us do all the other stuff. What if we just did that? And I'm I'm tired of that as a business model. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, that's kind of what they're doing right now with Warzone and their new games. Is like Warzone is their big money maker at this point because battle royales are so huge that. Um, yeah. I mean, any new game that drops, granted, it's going to have the multiplayer experience and it's still going to be a AAA experience. <laughs> but I also think, like, at the same time, while God, we game. view that, like, the three of us um, view that as kind of just, like, another rehashed kind of thing, like, people who are more entrenched in the first-person shooters and the people who are making those games probably see the the their their side of the picture very differently they they feel very passionately they're doing yeah. different well, things I mean, it's, and you know what more power to them like i at one I, point i got interested in, and i was interested I mean, in those it, games i'm it not makes so money. much anymore but i think i think it would be a little unfair to say that they're that they're not trying any kind of innovation or weird stuff i i think that they are i mean you could even look at something as it's not super recent but like infinite warfare which took place in space and like that was such a weird wild game that, that a lot of people didn't like yeah that and was one of the best Call of Duty yeah. games story single um campaign campaign wise that i've ever played and it's definitely that on the weirder side of things so I, I can't comfortably agree with that but I kind of at at the some at the same yeah. degree get your larger point that um, maybe that is part of the equation, like that these devs had these bigger AAA games and then they had these smaller games as well. And I feel like companies have kind of moved away from that model. I don't know why, um, or it's just not as common as it used money. to be. So yeah, I think it is money because like uh, again, like Squares. Like, Square Enix has kind of kept that up with some of their Square Enix collective games recently, but they're, they're not really doing it themselves. They're, they're giving they're money like to people it. that like, We're going to publish this things, thing. Which, great. Do that. Yeah, which I think, is, I think is cool. Like, there were a few years there where Ubisoft did that, and that was really now cool. We got a lot Assassin's of really neat Creed stuff, like platform. Valiant Hearts and, and Child of Light. Really cool stuff. Yep. And then they've basically given that up to make the generic the most generic versions of open world and and live service games that we've ever seen except for Mario uh, Rabbids, yeah and that's awesome. and that's kind of where the, as as well as you know that's where the medium is shifting you know protecting abusers yeah unfortunately that's where Classic. the medium is kind of shifting right now and i think i think that also kind of speaks to it as well is where this kind of becomes more nebulous as well as you have these games as a service these big not necessarily uninspired but maybe less inspired games um less original games and then you have these games that obviously don't have as much of a budget but they have so much more engrossing story and it's not a by the book kind of thing and i think that's probably where yeah. the confusion is coming as well of do we label these as indies or do we label these as triple a and it's it's i think that's probably part of the issue as well is a lot of these boilerplate games are probably being labeled as triple a because um, people are kind of being lazy and derogatory there, which I'm not going to say I agree or disagree with it. Um, I'm just thinking about hypotheticals here, throwing things out. And then these games that are not boilerplate that, you know, for better or worse, are doing more inspired, uh, slightly to drastically unique things are being listed as indie because it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, a, a categorization of like when people talk about politics or religion or any other of the subjects that we don't need to talk about here is that 
um, they're mislabeling it to kind of like prove their own point when these things are not being necessarily labeled correctly, but it's being done in a lazy fashion to kind of prove a point or to make a cutting remark regarding some of those things, you know, like it's easy to be like, Oh, this game's really boilerplate. That makes it triple a, well, not necessarily. I mean, like, I mean, you could argue something like Biomutant is boilerplate. I've never in a seen an ways. example of that yeah, happening. I don't, I don't really, I don't really see that argument either. Uh, I, I think it more has to do with big studio, big budgets, the the big. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I I I, I, I I'm just, I'm I, I'm struggling to think of an example. Well, I was of that I was about to go into just one offhand. Is kind of I was going into one. And... Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think in Since some ways you could you. argue that Biomutant in some ways is boilerplate, even though they had some really interesting and unique ideas. The combat is, I mean, it has some interesting things there, but it takes combat from a lot of different other areas. The story is not terribly engrossing. Um, it's very by the books. Uh, the looks in some areas are beautiful, but also I, I don't think it's any more necessarily beautiful than other games you could say you could argue i would never agree with that but you could argue that the game has some boilerplate aspects to it would some people label that as triple a without like the average person who doesn't do a ton of research into the game or really got into the game game would they call it a triple a possibly because it acts as a boilerplate game um even though it's not you know what i mean and that's not entirely 100% to the point that I'm making. I'm not even necessarily making a point. I'm throwing out a hypothetical there. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess that's the issue. Is like it, it, it feels very hypothetical to me. I've, like, I, well, I don't course. know. I've not seen seen that. So, um, well, I, I mean, it's it's it might not know. even be like, something I feel, that people I feel like verbalize either. Maybe it's something that's just kind of like yeah, a byproduct. Yeah, like again, like yeah, like. I, I feel like no one wants to call anything a B game because they think it's a judgment game. Like call instead <laughs> well, of like, oh, this just, there's just not as much money. Ag- agreed. At it. I mean, you can look at. We all love Dark Sector. Th- yeah. This this one I'm not throwing any shade, but it, like I thought about it as I was saying yeah. it, and then I realized but, it's going to yeah, sound like, like I- I'm throwing shade. But people who look at scores and look at what would technically be a decently favorable score and ripping on it, you know what I mean. Um, I could even look at it yeah. like a, a CD given like a 7.2 out of 10 and people are going to be like, oh, that's not so good. And it's like, oh, that's a pretty damn good score. Uh, you know what I mean? But um, like, like things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's move on from this topic. I didn't realize that that was going to spur in so much talk, but I'm actually kind of glad <laughs> it did. Uh, it's kind of like a second mini topic yeah. that we had in the show. Mm-hmm. This one's a lot easier. Uh, Link has had a ton of powers and weapons over the years, but two of the most consistent ones are his sword slash shield and his bow. Which is the better weapon? What do you guys think people voted for? Sword. Yeah, probably. Uh, 81% of people voted for sword, my lord. And 19% of people said go. bow for show. Not surprised. <laughs> I re- I received a, a DM from one of our patrons that was like, the grappling hook. And I was like, that's not a choice, bro. It's called the hook shot? Yeah. Yeah, no, the grappling. Yeah, the grappling hook. Well, no, the from grappling hook from, from Wind Waker is pretty great. 
That's a that's a well, you good can weapon. weapon. I mean, he's had a ton of good weapons, the but like, can do that as well, though. To be fair, I mean, these two are yeah, like the, the, the most the constant thing, weapons he's had that, throughout that the grappling hook or grappling rope. Is it called a grappling the, rope? The fuck claw. I can't remember. Anyway, I like that. I like that. Good, the fuck claw. Moving forward, Crash Bandicoot. And Sp- I liked the double. The double. Oh, that's shots yeah. That, in, I like uh, the Twilight bellows. Princess. That was pretty great. Yeah. The fuck claw a toi. Next next question. Uh, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon <laughs> are two legendary series. Which was the better collectible between the two, the Wumpa Fruit or the Gems? Fifty-three percent of people said the Wumpa Fruit. Forty-seven percent of people said the Gems. I actually got a DM about this, and someone was like, "At least Crash Bandicoot with mm. went with an original fucking idea or something like nothing that." Yeah, fruit. Um, That's so they? original. The mango. The mango. So well versus just gems. I mean, like, I got their point. the mm-hmm. The name, the name was at least creative. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, no, I yeah, I I agree. It was the Wampa fruit easily, and that may be because Crash came before yeah. Spyro. Who knows? I like but gems. Seeing those, I can tell you right now, especially in the toy for Bob uh, remaster, seeing those gems rotate and gleam. As you go to pick them up in the Spyro games was incredibly pretty, satisfying. That's pretty great. Hello there, Spyro. Got to save the dragons, have we? <laughs> that's just my dra- generic dragon voice. <laughs> oh, good job. All right, <laughs> the last put, poll uh, we have boobs this week on the on the, the kangaroo, so we know it's a girl. Jesus Christ! Uh, last poll we have for this week. Whew, these NBA playoffs have been an absolute treat. That's right, we're going to talk about sports, guys. So many. It, it, it makes that makes no sense on a kangaroo. <laughs> it just, it, literally no she sense just on, didn't a want to engage on the kangaroo. So we know it's a girl. Merch. He did not want to engage. He's like, I don't know what the fuck this bit is, and then he heard sports, and he's like, you know what, this bit sounds better than sports, and that's exactly what happened in Josh's. Like, bit. yeah, we got got a course correct before we start talking about the footballs. Yep. Uh, these NBA playoffs have been an absolute treat. So many unexpected endings. Now we are down to the final two teams. Who do you predict to win it all? And this is before um, the first game was played. 33% of people expect the Milwaukee Bucks to pull it off, and 67% of people expected the Phoenix Suns. And I got a lot of DMs about that as well, actually. A lot of people are rooting for the Suns. Um, you know, as to be expected, is it pretty barren and dry um franchise pun intended uh in terms of championships uh, as to be expected when you live in phoenix arizona but uh no actually since that poll phoenix has gone up to zip on the milwaukee bucks um they're looking like the stronger team right now so uh, bucks gotta pull it out of their they ass this next game i know this means nothing yeah. to either poor of you guys, no, no poor phoenix poor phoenix right right where the rockies phoenix. gave up like they're so close to being something other than desert, but but no, it just the Rockies nah. were like, nah, nah, we just don't Look, want man, anything when, to do with Phoenix, and gave Phoenix, up Arizo- right when before it comes they to Phoenix, got there. Arizona, I agree with Peggy Hill. That city is a testament to man's hubris. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. I guess again, it's like it's like literally a half hour from the Rockies. You could go somewhere and have fucking trees, and you're like, you know no, what? no, we'll we're, we're going to build it here. We're gonna build it here. You know, I mean, Flagstaff. In the middle of the nothing the spot, your rearview mirror will melt off. That's where we're gonna park. That's where we're gonna live. Mm-hmm. I mean, they <laughs> could have lived in jerks. Flagstaff. Flagstaff could have been the capital. They all, they all just flipped off God simultaneously. <laughs> mm-hmm. With their cactus. 
the cacti rather. No, I will say this: yep. that um, the the Phoenix, uh, I believe it's called the Talking Stick Arena, is a pretty electrifying what arena. I went and saw a Rush there six years ago with my father. Um, it is a very nice arena, but um, yeah, I don't want to bore you guys with too much details. I'm I haven't been able to watch the first two games just because I was at work and um, during the time zone difference and whatnot. But I believe the third game is tomorrow. <laughs> third game is tomorrow so um i'm really excited to watch that i'm i like this isn't for anybody but me i really like Giannis, and i like the team that the milwaukee bucks have assembled i like a lot of the players like brooke lopez and um uh drew holiday and i even like chris middleton they're they're they have some really good players on that team it'd be really cool to see a franchise like phoenix suns who don't have a championship get one even though i hate I can't, and I don't want to say hate. I, I'm not a big fan of Chris Paul. Um, <laughs> no, say it. So. Yeah, that's enough sports ball, though. I mean, for anybody who's out there uh, who wants to talk about sports with me, you can always DM me um, at Professor Layton on Instagram. And we I'm always willing to talk sports or the Sword Chomp Instagram because that's where I'm at nowadays. Um, I'm almost never on the Twitter anymore because Rich has taken over that. But. Um, that's going to do it for our polls. Again, every Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram if you want to vote, and that way we can talk about it and have fun conversations like we've had today. But um, that's going to be pretty much it for the show. Uh, a few back-end stuff before we end the show. First off, if you head over to SwordChomp.com, you can check out our other podcasts, such as Chomping After Dark, where we uh, deep dive and break down the story. Spoiler cast. It's a spoiler cast. We uh, break down bunch of games and some movies from time to time the most recent episode we did was resident evil village uh that's up and available now it was a really fun uh episode as a really good return to form kind of thing um we also have evoking the sublime where i have in the past interviewed some developers and um talked with them about the history and creation of their game but i think um i've actually been thinking this past week um how I can bring that back and in what, what capacity I want to bring that back. And I have some ideas. I'm going to be talking with the guys off the air about that um, over the next week or so. But hopefully that's going to be returning here soon um, now that we kind of have like a stabilization on what we're doing here um, as the three of us. But anyways, moving forward, um, if you want to support us because we are a 100% listener-funded show. We don't have ads other than our own ridiculous ones that we run. We're not supported by some like company or anything like that. And we want to keep it that way because we want to be able to create the content that we want. Um, if you head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp, you can learn all the various ways you can support us and it would mean the world to us. Um, it helps us make a lot of the stuff that we want to make for you guys. Um, and we actually, th- there are times where we always want to be making more, but um, obviously it's, you know, the 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 funding required to do some of that stuff is not in our budget at the current point in time so that that really really helps us a lot uh full transparency it all goes right back into the show um you can check out some the editorial section uh where rich is heading that up now and he actually is a head editor at this point because we uh brought a nice gentleman on if you didn't hear about that go ahead and listen to last week's episode um and you will learn more about that. But uh, yeah, you're gonna, Rich um, writes reviews and whatnot the there. And that, that's... Go ahead. Uh, sorry, I just want to say, yeah, uh, by, probably by the time the uh, this episode's up, we have a little welcome post he had put together that I am going to spend the weekend getting some stuff up over on the site. Uh, it is not up yet, but 
Well, by the time you're listening to this, it should be up. Uh, cool. Point is, and there's, there's stuff I'm on hoping, the horizon. Cool, yeah, and I'm hoping by the end of this weekend I will have written my bio... Like, it's very late, but um, better late than never. My uh, full Biomutant review and um, thoughts on it will probably go up, and that way I can fully lay it to rest kind of thing. Um, but that, that place I think is going to evolve is it's going to move past just being strictly reviews and it's going to have some other editorial stuff there so i'm really excited for that if you're interested head over to that um mm. area and check that out we also have merch um been talking about that the last few weeks uh we have a lot of really cool and um exciting merch we had one recent most recently designed by one of our patrons and good friends bernadette um that's at store.storechump.com really awesome stuff there um i just bought some new clothes i've tried them on the other day super super comfortable um love i love the merch that we have right now so um if you head over to store.storechomp.com if you buy anything please message me directly and send me a picture because i'd love to feature that on some of the social media and put it up on the site um we always love to do that for anybody who's ever bought some of our merch um as you can see on the site right now um trying to think of if there's anything Mm. oh um you can follow us on social media at Sorechomp on the Instagram and Twitter. Rich runs the Twitter. I run the Instagram. In the event that you guys DM us, you know who you're DMing. Uh, we also have a Discord if you're interested in joining that. We have a lot of really cool, fun, exciting conversations with some amazing people there. Just message us uh, privately and we will get you the Discord link. Um, we'd love to have you on there. Um, we talk about all sorts of stuff. And um, if you want to follow us, any of us individually on the um social medias you can find me at instagram uh at professor layton and i believe uh shea butta my old 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 uh high school nickname on twitter rich is at the rich meister i believe the rich meister on both on twitter and um on instagram as well yep and josh your name on twitter josh is only on twitter is schwabadaba um no, or just look up his no, name. No, it's Josh Fowler. What you, let me go to the thing. It's Josh underscore it's Josh Fowler. Underscore I never Fowler. remember Excuse if it's me, that's one what word I said in the first or place. Without, Josh, edit me underscore. saying that over. Underscore so you sound Fowler. like you're arguing with a person who's correct. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Josh is on the Twitter. Um, so you can check us out there if you want to talk to us privately about stuff. And um, last but not least, last thing I will say and I will leave you with is if all that sounds overwhelming and you're like, fucking Christ, I'm just here to listen to a podcast about people talking about their dicks and video games and that's all I'm here for. The best thing you can do is, besides subscribing and whatnot, is if you enjoyed this and you want to support us, but obviously money is kind of out of the picture, just tell a friend. Tell a friend um, that you enjoyed an episode and you share it with them. A rich friend. <laughs> a philanthropist. And, any kind of any kind of friend, really, at this point. Like, if you're friends with um, Jeff Bezos, share with tell him. Let him know. Let him know. And uh, as as the... Uh, I love... This has been a thing on YouTube for the past like year plus now. It's like, smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Oh, you know what? Fuck that smash it. I'm telling you to fucking punch your goddamn phone screen. Obliterate the smash of the fucking... But fuck uh, that subscribe button. Obliterate. Decimate that smash fucking and i keep saying smash decimate that like button fucking dry hump the fucking subscribe button on your phones that way she's all um, over that follow tab 
<laughs> That's right. Head to swordchomp.com and start jizzing all over your phone. <laughs> that was perfect timing. We, we just perfect time. But seriously, we, um, uh, maybe not this back part you don't want to share, but seriously, if you could share. Share. share share the next episode maybe maybe yeah but just share the uh <laughs> share the good word of sword chomp help us get the name out there help us get more ears we are on a mission we are by the end of the year gonna hit a month where we have ten thousand concurrent subscribers we came so close uh back in uh june we are or sorry in may um we are gonna hit that by the end of the year we need your help Please share with anyone and everyone you can. We are going to hit that mark, and we can't do it without your help. So all jokes aside, please share with your friends. Please hit, please hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed the show today. That's going to do it. I want to thank Rich. Thank you so much for being here from New York. I'm glad you uh, took your invisibility off for a few hours so we could see you. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for being here uh, amidst your mounds of boxes, uh, coming out of a box yourself. That way you could be here and... Uh, um, I was your host, Shay. I want to say thank you to you, the listener, for being here, checking us out, dealing with our ridiculousness. We will be back next week for another exciting, wonderful, funny, hopefully, uh, or funny adjacent episode of the Chompcast. Love you guys so much. Be well, stay safe, and take care. And, uh...